Hello, thanks for tuning in to Waste Radio. Uh, we have another episode of our stream that we've been doing every other Sunday. Um, quarantine days is what we're calling it for now, as long as this pandemic stuff is going on. Um, a lot of us are performers, so we kind of miss going out and doing uh, gigs and stuff. So this is kind of a substitution for that during this strange time. Um super honored and humbled on this episode actually to have um some more cool voices in our community um Saisa Schumann is an activist that was working on some of the protests happening in Billings here around the George Floyd um incident and um she's joined with um Jana Richter who also was organizing some stuff down at Kirk's Grocery um, so I talked with them at the beginning kind of about their organizing efforts and about, um, BIPOC issues, uh, particularly having to do with living in Billings. Um, and then we have some poetry and noise by our friends, Michael Birdingground and Isaiah Demonity. Um, and let's see. That's really cool. And then finally, we have uh, a story told by our friend John, um, also known as Bear Burning Ground, uh, Michael's brother. They call themselves the Trash Gang, all three of them. Um, they're all indigenous dudes. Um, so a lot of their content focuses on that. Um, so we ended up having like a really cool kind of conglomeration of um, discussion around black topics with Saisa and discussion around indigenous stuff. And then kind of where those two intersect. Um, I thought it was really, really neat to see. And, um, we're at waste division. We're really humbled to be able to host this sort of discussion. Uh, it seems to be like a really important thing, uh, an important service that we can offer the community, um, especially in a place like Billings that doesn't really represent BIPOC voices very well. Uh, we are, yeah, again, just like super happy to be able to offer a platform to lift those voices up so that they're heard. This stuff seems really important. We're kind of out here, you know, we're not in cities and these issues aren't as on the forefront per se, uh, but we have lots of police shootings and billings, relatively speaking. Um, for our size and we have lots of issues between cops and indigenous folks. Anyway, yeah, I've talked plenty. I try to stay out of the way on this one as a white dude. Um, it's not really my conversation, but you know, um, we're here and we're, we're trying to talk about important stuff on this program. So, um, again, check out waste-division.org. Leave us a review on iTunes for waste radio. Um, it'd be really cool if you made it a nice one, like five stars and maybe left a comment about, um, why you like the show or shows or what your favorite show is or whatever. Um, tune in next time. Um, we're kind of trying to confirm it. I think my friend Guthrie Brown is going to be on the show. Um, we were going to reach out to Sice again for poetry, our friend AJ Williams, um, to do an interview and some poetry. So, uh, or I guess spoken word is what he does. So, yeah, anyway, that is on the Waste Division Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch page uh, every other Sunday. Let's see if I can find the number of that Sunday. We do it at 7 p.m. 
and it's uh, it's real fun. It's been going well. If you get on there, you can ask us questions and kind of interact with the guests that we have. Um, jump in the discussion. Uh, so that Sunday is going to be the twelfth. Yeah. So tune in. Um, okay. Thanks so much. Enjoy. Are we in? Yeah. We're live. We're live. Okay. Oh, dope. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Phil, and I'm sitting with Jana Richter and Saisa Schumann. Um, we just thought it would be appropriate to have them on with um, the nationwide protests still happening. Um, they are activists. I guess that's a question I have. Do you all call yourselves like Black Lives Matter activists, or how does that? I'm mad about everything. You're mad about everything? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, would, I would loosely use the term activist, yes. Yeah. Definitely Black Lives Matter is, it's on the list. Word. But it's pretty high up there. Sure. Black Lives Matter, Native Lives Matter. Yeah. I think BIPOC is the typical term that I use. Sure. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, yeah. you guys have been doing some stuff in town. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a bit about what you've been up to and how, how you think it's been going? Yeah, I can speak to that. Um, so Jackie Patton, who is not here today, um, she came to Saisa and I a few weeks ago with the idea of wanting to create a memorial just uh, leading up to the protests, just to commemorate not only George Floyd, but other other uh, people in our community and nationwide who've lost their lives to police brutality uh, and systemic racism. So uh, mm-hmm. we had it up from Monday Um, until the Sunday of the protest, and every night at 6, we had a community leader speak, um, sometimes pray. We would take um, a moment of silence, uh, 8 minutes and 46 seconds, um, because that was how long George Floyd was was pinned down. Um, And then we had a list of names. People could add names to the list. Um, A few nights we read those names. Um, And then we also had some action steps, places to donate, and we were just talking to the community members, trying to, you know, see what what their thoughts were, and um, that was that was a very, very awesome experience to have. Um, and I think Saisa so so can speak a little bit more to that. We were, yeah, I wasn't really. Definitely, it sucks that Jackie's not here because mm. Jackie really spearheaded this whole thing, and I was just at home, and I got a text message, and she was like, "How angry are you right now?" And I was like. Oh pretty angry, pretty decently angry. She was like, well, you want to do something about it? And I was like, literally anything. Um, and in the beginning, we really thought it was just going to be, I mean, my, whatever expectations I had for the whole ordeal was completely wrong. I thought we were going to 
bring these people out, people were gonna help us make some art, we were gonna put it on the fence at Kirk's Grocery, um, and maybe it would be there for a night, two mm. days before it started some rickamarole and people came and they would like take it down and we're gonna get in a bunch of arguments with people. I thought we were gonna have a problem with like landlords, with mm. the cops, with the people in Billings, and mm. I was just completely wrong mm. about all of that. And you know, it's a pretty good thing to be to be wrong about. Yeah. And and then it started getting to be more, like it wasn't just we were gonna put the fence up, it was Lisa Harmon's gonna come by, Rabbi Yuri's gonna come, and I mm. was like, I was like, oh, well that's really great. And mm. then the second day came and they kept coming and people came every single day. I yeah, saw the same day. faces over and over again. <clears throat> people were bringing their kids. Um, and it was, it definitely changed like a lot of my perceptions about Billings. Oh. Um, Definitely, like my first year here, I was like, "Yo, fuck this place." Yeah. I'm like, "This is this is insane." The casual racism. Mm -hmm. um, I would say not so much against black people, but against Native Americans, is, mm -hmm. was completely like wild to yeah, me. Yeah, it's out of hand. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, but the good thing, and I feel like definitely like one of my biggest like the biggest presence I've had here in Billings is just going places and getting really angry and fussing people out. Mm. And I'm like, so that's how I started talking to Chris Kokolsky, the city administrator, because oh. I got, because I'm like, I was getting sassy with the police chief, um, which is not to say that like he didn't deserve to get a little sassy with, but yeah. I'm like just out here and I'm like in grocery stores and I like just having conversations with the cashier and they're like, oh, if only the Native Americans didn't bring so much meth in. And I'm like, well, now I've got to stop this entire line and explain to you in depth why mm. that's racist and why it's also not true. And I really thought I was just like raging, like like screaming <laughs> to the point. And I'm like, I'm like this place, like I'm like this is what this place is. It's mm. the negative experience I've had. You know that blatant white supremacist who bothered me out of a whole apartment. That was pretty crazy too. Mm. Oh, sure, um, yeah. And so when the week of the memorial came, and there's all of these people like. People are telling me that's not what Billings is. There's the different communities. The interfaith community is good. Mm. These people actually care. And I like couldn't be bothered to believe that at all. And mm. then the week happened and it was like tangible, mm. like right there in front of me that I was wrong about a lot of different things. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good thing to be, to be wrong about. For sure, yeah. Yeah, and I, even like all the nights that it rained and like people just kept coming back out and replacing all the chalk, replacing the stuff that the posters that had gotten wiped out, like people standing in the rain even a couple of nights, um, yeah. which was just, I don't know, very moving, didn't expect as many people to come. Cool. I was also pleasantly surprised by the presence of Billings, but. Yeah, and Billings showed up for the protest too on Sunday. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's a good number of people downtown. Yeah, I think it was what, close to 2,000. Yeah. Something like that. I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> I think it was like eight. I think we'll it was get into that later. <laughs> but when, when Billings took, took the streets, like just and started like actually marching around, then I was like, oh shit. <laughs> like, good for Billings. Like, I expected people to be a little bit. I don't know. Docile. Somehow. Docile yeah. somehow, but like even like laying down in the streets and like mm. laying down in the rain and just like still marching in the hail. Right. That was. Well, I, I think that's not just like a thing that's happening in Billings. It's a thing that I'm oh, seeing yeah. happen everywhere. Mm. Like even especially like on social media. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know like we discounted a lot, and there is problems with like people who feel like the only form of activism they take place is online. Mm -hmm. And I feel like. 
online is not a bad place to, to say those things and distribute those information as long as other things are, are happening. But I've seen people take like hard stances, like cussing out their grandmas mm. and their and their bosses and like just mm-hmm. being like, No, mm-hmm. this is not okay and not just being like, Oh, I, I like I'm on the side of these people and I support them but mm. being like this is why I'm on my side. I'm saying right now I'm anti-racist. I am for Black Lives Matter. Mm. Like these are things I stand for, and pointing out like the issues. Like people are always talking about. I'm educating myself on the topics. I'm learning more and more. Mm. And I just assume that people were lying because it's really easy to say things like that. And then I'm seeing all of these people bring out all of these great points about like white supremacy and like systemic oppression and talking about like real actionable steps that have been put forward already. Like mm. not things that we as like individuals usually come up and we're like we're like maybe we'll talk about this but actual policies that could be put into place that have mm-hmm. been like researched and understood and I'm like I'm like wow people are actually putting into the work like I don't know maybe it's I don't have a lot off. of yeah I don't like have a lot of faith in people or I, I really <laughs> I really do know that a lot of people in their in their heart of hearts feel a certain way mm. but like that needs to be backed up with like formal Action. change in the system yeah. and to see people saying these are the people I support who will enact these different policies and these are the different legislations that need to go forward oh and watching races get fired on the internet yeah, oh yeah, that yeah. is so good <laughs> so good like lawyers so and shit good. I know business owners just yeah. ladies this one lady's getting bought from like, a, like yeah. a subscription box and I'm like and I'm like wow yes I yeah. love it and I don't assume that all of these companies necessarily care right. but it's been made I like like this is how I feel about the leading and everything it's been made clear that racism is bad for business mm-hmm. and then it's like you don't have to not be a racist but we like your money is like <clears throat> at like risk now which I think is Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why racism is so prevalent now Mm -hmm. not necessarily because people actually believe in weight and like and like race supremacy and race science and things like that but because it pays Mm -hmm. it's really good at keeping money in certain circles and certain places Mm -hmm. and so someone can company and my bottom line Mm -hmm. so that they keep those racist policies going and I think it needs to be made clear that like you cannot make money from this anymore, right. which is not necessarily true now. But I feel like that's the that's the direction we're headed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hearts yeah. and minds is like is like one issue. Talk about wallets. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like I really don't care if Lucianne <clears throat> down the street doesn't like black people. She just should have no control over my life mm-hmm. besides what she can say to me on the sidewalk, but it should never be enacted in the way and like redlining or mm. where I can live or the kind of services I have access to or if I'll get housing or anything like that. It should just be her terrible opinion. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Just I mean, naked. <laughs> I think also that like social media has also been a really good outlet because I think that I definitely learned about a lot of that, especially in college. Um, but now I feel like a lot of that information has been made a lot more digestible for people who uh-huh. maybe don't either have access to, uh, you know, peer reviewed articles mm-hmm. or like don't know how to find those stats. And now those stats are just like on, <laughs> on your Instagram screen and you can yeah, just swipe it and repost it. And I think that people are having a lot easier time understanding that too and that's why people are also taking action you can just click a link and sign eight petitions in Mm. two minutes Mm. and you know you have all the numbers to legislators on an instagram post Mm -hmm. and you can just call all of them Mm. and i think that people do care i just think that sometimes when you google search and you have to click eight times look through an article click through this people like 
get really, I don't know, discouraged. You lose them. Yeah. Yeah. You lose, you lose them. But yeah. I feel like a lot more people have been saying, oh, it's right here. Right. <laughs> I'll do it now. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it's it's a lot about making it more, unfor- I mean, maybe unfortunately they get to make it more digestible it for yeah. white people. Right. But like at the same time, other people don't have access to that information or maybe don't have, you know, a lot of those articles too, you have to have a university account or you have mm-hmm. to have like mm-hmm. some sort of, like in, right. you know? Um, well, so I think that that's good for that. I mean, feel like there's definitely a boundary between that type of information, which can lead to like really good activism. Like I've got like my personal beef with stats because uh, stats can be taken. They're so easily misconstrued, mm-hmm. True, but it's up to this point that like the reason why stats are not a really good thing to share, why they can be detrimental is because Education is gatekeeped, and it's definitely it's something that's not even definitely race has something to do with it, but it's definitely a class issue. Mm. So not only do the people like you're discriminating against not have access to these peer-reviewed articles, or mm-hmm. even to they like did your high school education give you a good introduction to st- to, to stats mm-hmm. that you were able to ta- take, and did they? tell you how to apply that Mm -hmm. to regular things that you're reading across the way so like even not just the information is gatekeeped like the access to like really digest this information is gatekeeped and I don't think of like like I'm always talking about like I feel like super privileged because I was able to go and get a pretty decent education Mm -hmm. but I also am but like that was from a place of privilege not Mm -hmm. not everyone can be able to do that but one thing that I know when I'm talking to people who haven't been to school or I'm trying to have these conversations with them is they're like, well, I didn't get to go to college. And I'm like, I'm not any better than you because I went to college. Most of the things that I know about the world I live in or the things that I'm passionate about are not things that I learned in a college classroom. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was easy to, like, it was conducive for me to learn how to digest that information or or just learning research techniques to be able to know, Mm -hmm. like, like, just how to read an article and tell like the author has a like a bias or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, but those are things that could be done without going to school. Sure. Uh, but you know, when you have people, they're like, am I gonna like? They're laying in bed at night. They're like, gotta pay my mortgage. How am I gonna you know get my car note right? Like kids, like kid needs pants, kid needs shoes. Are they gonna? Are they really gonna sit down in their spare time and teach themselves stats? Yeah. And the thing is, the answer is no. And <laughs> but it's also you should. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely hard. Like there's nothing. There's nothing pleasant about knowing too much about the world that we live in. <laughs> to, be yeah, honest, yeah. to be honest, I'm yeah. like, and people are like, I don't want to be stressed out, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm asking you to be stressed yeah, out yeah. because like maybe it doesn't affect you, or maybe it doesn't affect you in a way that you feel like you need to address. And I'm like, but I'm physically asking you to give me a little bit of your peace of mind, right? Like, uh, and like people are like, is that too much to ask for from another person? Like for that much emotional labor from just average people who Mm. maybe I don't interact with all the time. And my personal opinion is absolutely not. Racism sucks. Stop supporting it. Yeah. Like through apathy. I'm like so sorry that it's going to make your life worse, but like I did not have a, I didn't have an option. Right. Yeah. Yeah, You could try walking around black for a day or whatever. Exactly. It's like, it shouldn't even, it shouldn't even be there because I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, it's a frustrating thing, but yeah. I'm, I'm ranting again, Jana. Any segues? <laughs> I wanted to go back to something if mm-hmm. I could. Um, I'm really interested in like how communities are showing up for these things. Mm-hmm. Like, um, there's now the autonomous zone in Seattle. What's it Ooh, called again? The, the Chaz. The, yeah, no. Chaz. Um, Capitol Hill autonomous zone, right? Um, 
so it's kind of cool, like, how the confluence of events is happening where, like, while we're thinking about defunding the police and, like, reinvesting in communities, like, mm -hmm. we're seeing how effective community action is already, like, mm -hmm. without yeah. actual, like, policies even yet. Like, mm -hmm. we're seeing people going and, like, making a fucking autonomous zone, right? Like, um... And I, don't, I actually need to do more research about that zone. Like, I guess, are cops <laughs> allowed to go there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, they can't they, they can't be armed. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, but I would say that, like, those autonomous zones for people acting outside of police, that's things that white people have already had access to. Mm -hmm. like, when we think of, like, small, isolated towns where they're like, the law is one thing, but really we protect ourselves mm -hmm. as a community and we handle things in-house. That is also a privilege <clears throat> that not a lot of people are able to have. Mm -hmm. But I think, but it's not something that I want to take away from people. Sure. I think it's something that more people should have access to, mm -hmm. like investment in your own community. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think it's like, like the police are already not like solving like such a large percentage of like violent crime. So they're like, who's going to stop the domestic abusers? And I'm like, you've not been stopping the domestic abusers. And I'm like, so how do we as like, how do we change like a culture or the way that we operate within a system <clears throat> to make sure that like, it's like if people know it doesn't take just uh, no I'm I'm talking anarchy bullshit right now. Oh yeah, get on it, get on it. I'm listening to my words and I'm like and I'm like I'm like ooh you're about to expose yourself. <laughs> get on but, I, but I, I really I really do believe that like I've been seeing a lot of things about like police chiefs who are going on and they're like why are you so mean to the police we're asked to do too much yeah. and I'm like. Wow, that's my point. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, here's you, and here's the point. Like, what are you not getting? And I'm like, and I'm like, there are so many things that police are supposed to deal with in our society that they should not should not be on their plates whatsoever. Right. No, exactly. Police should not be the first line of defense on the mental, like, should not be the first stop when someone's having problems with mental illness. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be the cops who are intervening in those situations, mm -hmm. like neighbor disputes or it, it, exactly. Like, there's there's yeah. other there's other ways. That like there's other platforms, whole industries and dis disciplines mm -hmm. that are trained to deal with these problems, like social workers, like emergency responders, and everything right. like yeah. that. And they're like, why are we making the cops do that? And I'm like, you're absolutely right. It's almost as if we should defund the police and divert all of those funds into these things that already exist, into this infrastructure mm. that's already here, give them the responsibilities they're actually equipped with dealing with, right. and make sure that cops are only in situations where a man with a gun mm -hmm. is needed. Mm -hmm. And if it's situations where they're not, they don't have to risk their lives or mm -hmm. anything like mm -hmm. that on small, petty things. They don't have to worry about the backlog of mm -hmm. paperwork and everything that they're tired of dealing with if they're only being utilized in the ways that they absolutely should be. Right. But then you say defund the police and they're like, oh my God, they're coming for the police salaries. Yeah. Like they're getting paid anything in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's, <laughs> also, it's no one says shit when people defund <laughs> education systems. No, 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 no. Fucking well, take 50 schools in Chicago in one year like they did a couple years ago. Um, like people are like defund. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't mean necessarily having to take it away. It's a transition. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and like, I think in some models, the police are still a small department, just a small department 
in a larger scheme of many departments. Like, mm. and like that dude that fell asleep at the Wendy's drive-through could have fucking called the tow truck, mm. and you called the police, and he got shot. Like, mm. I mean, but it's like, you, it's, like, why is that a police matter? It's well, a dude falling asleep in a car. The like, problem is, some people is is it's not just saying like trying to convince the police it's not a police matter. Yeah, there's people. There's like a large section of the people that we just regularly live among who I wouldn't necessarily consider bad people just from like their intentions and everything, mm-hmm. but who believe these situations should be dealt with with a man with a gun. Well, you're like, you don't need a cop for that. And they'll, they'll disagree with you on, on that. So like, we want to get all the way to the defunding. We haven't even addressed like the culture that makes people mm. believe that mm. the police are a private security mm. force. And yeah. I'm like, it's, I'm always laughing when people are like, well, if you don't trust the cops, don't call them. And I'm like, what do you think whole communities have been doing for the last couple of years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, in the same vein, you'll talk about the don't snitch policies in these communities, and then you'll say don't call the cops. Like, mm-hmm. which is it? Because it cannot be both. Mm-hmm. Either we are not calling the cops or we don't. And it's also, it's also really <laughs> messed up to think that, like, because I don't trust the system that I live under, I shouldn't be allowed the protection mm. that I buy into, mm-hmm. that I have a social contract with. And I'm like, why are, because I disagree with you, I've got to go instead of I should stay here and start making changes in the system so that I feel comfortable calling the police when something mm-hmm. is stolen. And I'm also confident that maybe they'll find something. Mm-hmm. It's just. Do something useful, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious if you guys think like uh, there's a sort of consciousness happening where people are like realizing like these structural components that are that are here and um, I mean it's it's interesting how it's happened with the coronavirus too like where <clears throat> people are getting like unemployment checks that like it looks a lot like UBI right like universal basic income and um, I don't know. There, there seems like I, I dare say like a class consciousness thing that could be happening, um, where it's like becoming very apparent how disposable we on the bottom are, especially if like your skin is the wrong color. Um, and I, it's one thing I wanted to point out too that I think is hopeful. Is like in Billings at at the memorial. There was like a big um, presence of like Native Lives Matter stuff, mm-hmm. and I've been really happy to see like um, Indigenous people and you know um, Blacks and people of color or whatever like working together to recognize like common sources of oppression that are happening. Like, oh, we're all getting killed by cops out here like indiscriminately. Like, mm-hmm. let's talk about that together. Um, so I don't know if you want to talk about any of that, but... Jamie, you got something to say about that before I go off? <laughs> okay, I don't know about... I mean, building class consciousness, maybe, yeah. maybe, but you have... I mean, there's still maybe amongst the people who are, like, on the fence and, like, the moderate, uh-huh. quote-unquote moderates who are... I, I, I hate moderate moderate. Yeah, um, I would say among those people, especially, you know, amongst friends of mine who I think didn't know the history of the police and where the police started and how, you know, that little, you know, part of the 13th Amendment where, you know, is basically another form of slavery by Mm -hmm. incarcerating people of color. So, like, 
I think that that is like the dots are connecting in the way that like oh people are like oh there are just sections of history that we've never learned right but I still think there's a large part of the population that is ignoring it and has yeah. gone back to posting selfies on Instagram and is like that doesn't matter it's just another protest mm-hmm. we'll go on to something else mm-hmm. so I mean and that's granted a lot of people I know who I think also kind of fall not necessarily in the like the upper class like pretty you know just people who like don't people who are white and don't give a shit mm-hmm. um and i'm not saying it's only white people but i'm saying that like i don't know there might be more people involved i don't i think that there maybe is some sort of class consciousness but mm-hmm. it's i don't know i don't know if it's as large as i would like to think it is yeah yeah mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I would say, but I think that Saisa has some other things probably <laughs> to add to that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the foundation for class consciousness is in that is is nearly complete. I feel like we're not we're not there as uh, where we're all connected, but I think a lot of people were seeing this among like conservatives and leftists, and you know. Fuck centrist, you know. What I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing whatever. Yeah. Um, but when, but it's like we're there's a lot of people who are all coming to the same conclusion mm. that something with the government is wrong, mm. and that regular people are getting fucked over. Mm-hmm. And really, where like we both agree on that, and where we need to come into the middle is we're we're blaming each other for mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, and I'm like, other poor people are not the reason that I am poor. It's it's like, it's not a thing. It doesn't make yeah. sense. Um, and I'm like, we're fighting over scraps. And I'm like, and I'm like, and the thing is not who has the most scraps is why is there, this is the mm. only thing we have access to. And mm-hmm. I feel like the, these conversations like are coming to, and this, you're talking about like, people are learning more about like, so what like what systemic racism is and things mm-hmm. like that. And up to this point, I feel like those words have really been buzzwords pushed forward by an educated liberal class yeah. and to average people and which is not to like say like average with a negative connotation mm-hmm. but the people who did not take a sex and gender class right. which I completely like 100% find complete value in mm-hmm. and I'm like but these words don't have the context of that education mm-hmm. and really what I think of it like at the end of the day is when we reach class consciousness is when we're all going to stop caring about what rich old white guys who were sipping coffee in cafes decided we were going to do, like we were going to live our lives mm-hmm. and like I'm not just talking about like the founding fathers or Thomas Hobbes I'm talking about like Karl Marx too and I'm mm-hmm. like I'm like we keep looking back to these people who one didn't even live the lives that we are living in now when it comes to class wise and not to say that they never had any good ideas or there are things that we should definitely take and principles we should keep but I'm like we're at this point where we all have this access to information and we're all connected to each other well not all because you know there's still this disparities and who has access to the internet and technology and even mm-hmm. the fucking mail now but um mm-hmm. we're, we're we're to this point where i don't know why we keep looking back and asking people what we should be doing with our lives here when we could have we could be having that conversation with each other like in real time so we like hold up like a structure mm-hmm. and you've got two two groups who violently disagree with each other, but they all disagree that the structure is wrong. Mm-hmm. Why can't the conversation begin? What would we like to replace it with? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the system we actually want to live in? Like, what are the things we want to keep? What are the things we want to get rid of? Mm-hmm. And what matters to us, like, as like, like, as like a condensed population who are all in the same place? 
um, but that conversation's not happening, and I'm like mm. not trying to be like holier than now when I when I'm like talking to someone who's like a hardcore conservative who pushes for conservative legislation and policies. I start seeing red. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what are you not understanding about the thing that I am telling you? Mm-hmm. How could you have these opinions? And it's mm-hmm. like, it's like even like as individuals, like I'm not going to be the person to have those conversations, but that's why I think it takes all kinds. Mm. Like people who are good at moderating, who are good at facilitating, mm. who are able to push their personal beliefs to the side in order to, to have those conversations, yeah. those people are absolutely needed. I am not them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be me, but the more people like, or just average people who are like getting into this who are really saying well maybe i didn't care about this before there were so many older people who came yeah. to the memorial and mm-hmm. would come up to me and they'd be like they'd be like i'm 67 and i've never ever spoken out about these things mm-hmm. and i'm like and i'm like yeah i hate that mm-hmm. but honestly i'm glad that you're here talking about it right now mm-hmm. and i feel like a lot of these feelings are amplified by our feelings of isolation mm-hmm. with like you know just having to quarantine and everything plus like our our heightened sense of like what's going on in the media specifically because we're all at home looking at our phones mm-hmm. and everything like mm-hmm. that plus like the threat of mortality everyone's thinking about like <laughs> what it means to just casually die all of this and you condense it and i feel like the the reason why george floyd particular i feel like if the george floyd specific incident or any incident of like like Ahmed Arbery and we're mm. like learning about Breonna Taylor and all these different things, I feel like a couple of months ago they would have been regular protests, like the protests we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. We spend two weeks, we get a nice hashtag and we move on from that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in the period that we're in now and the like the constant like like mass trauma we're all going to like going through together mm-hmm. that it can't like it just seems so much amplified mm-hmm. and i think to white people now and to people who maybe didn't care about these issues beforehand mm-hmm. it's starting to feel slightly as poignant as it always does mm-hmm. to communities of color mm-hmm. where i'm like i'm like the panic the absolute fear the disgust the way you you're like how could this be happening right now that is how i feel all of the time. I'm mm-hmm. like these, like George Floyd doesn't feel more poignant to me than the things that have happened in the past because this has been a baseline mm-hmm. for so many communities, mm-hmm. for native communities and for black communities with their interaction with the police mm-hmm. that nothing is more drastic than it ever was because it was always this drastic. Mm-hmm. But now other people, you know, mm-hmm. are starting to are starting to feel that same sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm into that. I'm like, let let the panic set in. And I'm like, <laughs> if you feel, people are like, I need to take a break from social media. I absolutely can't live like this. And I'm like, you should live like this. I'm like, this is good. I'm glad that you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like your discomfort is, is <clears throat> pleasing to me because this is the only thing it's going to take mm-hmm. in order for anything to be done about it. Right. And I'm like, and the black community cannot fix racism because racism is not the black community's fault. Yeah. We didn't create it. And we're not going to be the ones to solve it. Mm-hmm. And so people are like, why do white people or people of all these different privileges have to take up this cause? And I'm like, well, 
it's your you system. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's your system. Mm. And I'm like, you're, I'm like, maybe you're not the one who created it, but you're the one who's changing the parts out. Mm. You're the one who's making yeah. sure that the upkeep is going. Like, you're the one providing constant maintenance to this system. Mm. I'm like, so you don't have to take responsibility. Like, God, you don't have to apologize for slavery. And if mm-hmm. you were born in 1999, you don't have to apologize for Jim Crow or for the civil rights. And really, I don't want an apology at all because mm. apology is not going to erase the things that I. I want and like you don't even have to say this is my fault like white guilt is white people's problem mm. <laughs> and i'm tired of i'm tired of white people being like why does the black people want me to apologize and i'm like we have never asked for that mm. don't give a shit about your apology <laughs> whatsoever just stop voting for racists mm. that that's it <laughs> just stop voting for racists and putting them in statues and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I have a couple other things on the list. I guess that's not just yeah. the only there's, thing. There's, there's, a, there's a few things. Yeah. yeah, but I'm like, I'm like the average person who doesn't want to march in the street. I'm like, literally, just don't vote for someone who has got bad policies. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's 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 literally the, the least you can do. Just do that. And maybe also work towards not having as much voter suppression um, mm-hmm. and some other things. Because like voting, I mean, I want to say yeah, don't vote racist, but like let's not pretend like there's not. You know, I know ridiculous amounts of voter suppression in this nation that are the reason why there are so many close calls that don't mm-hmm. go in the favor mm-hmm. of <laughs> non-racist uh, mm-hmm. or well, I don't not I'm not saying non-racist uh, like policymakers or le- legislators because like let's be honest like if they're I think that white people also do have to acknowledge that we all have implicit bias and mm-hmm. so like even the liberal side of that is still not going to be awesome because mm-hmm. it's just another probably white rich Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, yes, it's not <laughs> Trump or it's not McConnell, and like, yeah, fuck those people. But like, mm-hmm. you know, the the white liberals aren't you know the answer either. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's there's a lot of things to work on when it comes to voting too. Like, don't vote for racists, but also think <laughs> about the fact that maybe our two party system doesn't oh. benefit anybody. Anyway. <laughs> Amazing. Also, maybe <laughs> vote for things other than president, like state and local elections. Matt state and local so elections. Much district more. attorney, like <laughs> every like people mm. like what does it, uh, even anyway. if you're not going to vote for Trump or Biden, there are other people on that list that need yeah. to be voted for. And mm. when people are always like, "Man, I fucking hate these politicians," they're like, "I'm like I'm tired of these politician dynasties. I'm tired mm. of voting." And I'm like, my personal opinion right around now is anyone mm. who's been in power for longer than 15 years and hasn't shown no improvement for their local communities. I don't care mm-hmm. what your policies are. I don't mm-hmm. care what you pre- present yourself on or what mm-hmm. your beliefs are. You have to go. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not... And politicians, people who have been in power for 20 or 30 years, do not deserve to be forgiven for things. Like, you can forgive them as an individual. Mm-hmm. Say the first 20 years, like, they're like, I'm so sorry I spent half of my career voting against your rights. I've changed. And I'm like, beautiful. <laughs> Get the fuck out of the way. And I'm like, you don't deserve forgiveness when mm. you're this is a job I can't just mess up my job for 20 years and when they go to fire me be like I'm a changed person <laughs> because it shouldn't it shouldn't matter but mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing with all these people and we're seeing it so much and personally this is how I feel about Charles Booker in Kentucky uh, I don't live in Kentucky I'll mm. never live in Kentucky but Charles Booker is on like my like my top five list of state elections I've 
just feel like if there's a person in their community who goes, I could do a better job than this, I urge that person to run for their office. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, run mm-hmm. for city council. And I'm like, and I'm like, totally do it. And I'm like, you hate, you hate the person who's in there now. They don't do anything yeah. that you want them to do. You, they don't have the beliefs. Like, even if I disagree with you, if you want average people who have experienced your life and know your problems to be in charge, then it's mm. got to be you. Mm. And I'm like, and I'm like, if there's so many people, and maybe they didn't go to college, and maybe they haven't had like executive positions, but they're educated in their local laws, they know how it affects them personally and the people in their community. Mm. And I'm like, those are the people who should be running for office, mm-hmm. like teachers, like Amy. I'm about to say Amy McGrath. I'm about to, that's not that's not who I'm talking about. And now I can't remember her name. Mm. I actually don't really like Amy McGrath but so I'm sorry for even bringing her up (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like but like people but people like AOC and like Alana Moore even though Alana Moore like they're all they are college educated women and everything but there are people who are like those are just average people and I'm like yes absolutely 100% bartenders and people who own their own landscaping business and Mm -hmm. people who have been teachers those are the people who should be public servants. Mm-hmm. Um, people who have already made a lifestyle out of servicing their communities. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, fuck Obama and <laughs> Trump and Mitch McConnell and all those other people. Like, just get them, get them out of the way. You had your turn, and maybe we'll fuck it up, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe we yeah. don't have all the answers, but I just don't understand why you have to be the one to screw us over. Like, I can screw myself over just fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, run for office. And also let yourself lose and fucking run again. Exactly. Um, especially if you're running against somebody who you know you're probably going to lose to anyway. Just, like, fucking keep running. Go um, to every city council meeting. If you just go in there to be angry and you just want your voice to be heard and you don't want it to be a void, even though, you know, who knows, like, what void lies between our city council members, mm. like, then go there. Talk yeah. about how you really want that streetlight. Mm. Like, that's a thing you can, you, there, you have, like a, like, a voice to go and present yourself at. And I, like, would urge people to go to those things, things mm. that feel like they don't matter. Go to him. Yeah. And also, to add to that, this is a little bit of a segue to something else. <laughs> also, like, to the interfaith communities, too. And I think that they, like, those people, the people who are involved in interfaith communities, especially Christianity, um, like, that, like, those communities need to be doing more. And also, that's a good outlet for change for mm-hmm. if people want to show up and try to change their communities. Mm. I think a lot of times... You know, churches are like, we're not political. You're fucking political. Um, stop pretending like the fucking church pay isn't political. Who said that? Yeah, like, pay the fuck. Anyway, it's just, I think that, you know, some people are like, well, I don't know if I want to show up to, you know, this weird policy meeting and I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to talk. Like, get your interfaith communities involved. Like, obviously, like, that's not going to be, it's not going to flip over, but you know, I was, especially when it came to our memorial even, like the, the particular interfaith communities that came, I was really, I was really encouraged by, but you know, I had other friends who said, you know, my church didn't do shit or all they did was post a black tile and move on and they didn't even talk about it at church the next Sunday. Go to a different church. (laughs) Move to a church that did do that. I mean, Yes, but also you could also try if you really do have love for the community, 
try to change their mind. I don't think the, mm. the right thing is always to go to a new church. Yes, go to a new church, but also maybe stick with the old one. See if you can change and it. And see if you can change it. Yeah. Talk to the people you love. Talk to the people that you've been in fellowship with for years mm. and say, hey, let's talk about this. Let's have productive dialogue. Let's change our congregation because whether or not people admit it, they vote based off what their churches say. Mm. They vote based off, you know, they, a lot of what they do you know, comes from their interfaith communities. Well, that's one of the reasons I was so glad to see so many people from the interfaith community come out to the memorial. Like, yeah. that's not something, it's not something I expected. And it was really, I feel like it was really Jackie's the one who spearheaded that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I really ever look to religious organizations or religious groups to be allies, but it's not because, of like, like just personal hang-ups and everything like that. Yeah. And probably if Jackie had, you know, asked permission, even though, like, it's a good thing that she didn't because we were all in this as equals, and she was like, this is something that I want to happen, so this is some, I'm going to reach out to them, I'm going to ask mm-hmm. them to come. I would have disagreed with it, and mm-hmm. I would have I would have been wrong. Mm-hmm. It was it was amazing to have them mm-hmm. out there, and it was, it was people of, like, all ages, all demographics, like, people bringing their kids, they brought their like their their study groups and everything and I was mm-hmm. and I was like well and I was like I would have I would have just been pissy about your existence here but mm. you're doing exactly the things I've asked of yeah. people to do like you're putting yourself out there you're centering it around not just like the way you gather as a group with the things that you're learning and I'm like is that not what I've been asking for communities mm-hmm. the entire yeah. time so now I'm at this point where I'm so used to I'm so used to just being like do more do more do more and now I'm like oh wait a second why are you doing it <laughs> like, I'm like and I was like it's a, it's a really good feeling to to know that maybe I'm I'm not going to ever center these communities in my life mm-hmm. but to know that these issues still matter um, and I feel like it's just a beautiful thing. Cool. It yeah. is beautiful. But yeah, now they need to step up. And I think that there are some that are. Lisa Harmon, First Church, they fucking stepped up. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I, you know, I have had my qualms with, you know, different interfaith communities. But, you know, there are ones that can can lead the way for the others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, show that, yes, it, those don't, you know, you don't have to be mutually exclusive mm-hmm. from, like, no. Real social justice. If you want to talk about social justice, you want to talk about like being as Jesus was. Mm-hmm. Like fucking walk the fucking walk. <laughs> like just like stop pretending like Jesus is all about being pro life only, um, and Jesus then not even life. giving a shit about pro life when people are actually <laughs> existing. I mean, um, it, like the thing about conservative fanfic Jesus that oh I don't understand God. is, I mean, <laughs> I read the Bible and they're they're like Jesus. You. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, old rich white man that makes a lot of money off of taxes. I'm like, uh, last time I checked, if Jesus came back this day, he would be here in this building with us and not hanging out at the conservative convention. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, y'all, y'all were not his crew. He wasn't hanging out with you. I'm like, that wrong. So I'm like, so I really, I really, uh. I want everyone to like who's like part of these communities, like the interfaith communities, to to channel my favorite Bible story and to sit on the church steps together, talk about what they can do as individuals to help dismantle the system of white supremacy, break the whip, and break into the temples. Mm. And I'm like, and I'm like, that is what is expected of the religious community right now. Mm. And I'm like, do mm-hmm. what Jesus taught us to do. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Preach that. 
will. Oh, yeah. I will. Amen. Mm-hmm. Then... <laughs> <laughs> um, we might have to wind down here a bit. Yes. We've already been going for a bit, like 40 minutes. Cool. Any um, last questions? Well, do oh. we have any comments or shit over there? I forgot to say that we're taking comments as part of it. Oh, shit, yeah. So. Oh, I should also talk about Juneteenth oh. maybe for a minute. Oh, yeah, oh, let's talk important. about yeah. what's coming up. Oh, yeah, so uh, recently a few of us went to the Black Heritage Foundation in Yellowstone County's uh, Basically, they had a board meeting. They were talking about whether or not they wanted to do um, Juneteenth or not and how to do it in a safe manner with social distancing. Uh, They will be hosting it, and we've been helping them organize some stuff uh, with social media and with uh, entertainment, but it will be next Saturday, uh, June 20th from 1 to 5. Um, Official programming is going to start at 3, but we're going to have stuff going the whole time. Um, And it's going to be a place for... Celebration, but also especially in a place like Billings Education. I think not a lot of people know what Juneteenth is. Can you say what Juneteenth is, speaking of that? Juneteenth is the the African-Americans' celebration of the true end of slavery. Because after, you know, the the Emancipation Proclamation, you know, (laughs) Abraham sent all the blacks to Mexico, Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) After uh, he was... Just a fun fact about Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. But um, um, it took it took a while, almost up to a, uh, up to a decade, to actually make sure that all the sl- uh, the slaves were actually free. The mm-hmm. last place was in Texas, Texas just yeah. because you know um, people who just you know were like, "You're gonna come in Texas and make me do this," and just people dying to go deliver the way and mm. just how long it took mm-hmm. to get to all the parts of Texas. Juneteenth is the celebration of when all of the slaves the were. Slaves. Yeah, the last slaves, technically, but you know the 13th Amendment. Right. And, you know, like apprentices' laws and Mm. reconstruction and people who just kept doing slavery anyway, Mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, we have prison slave labor. Yeah, but the end of slavery as it was defined then, that's the celebration of Juneteenth. Cool. Yeah, so uh, it's supposed to be June 19th, but we're doing it on June 20th um, on the Saturday. Join if you can. We're also um, asking just because uh, the Black Heritage Foundation in Yellowstone County does sponsor this event. There's going to be sack lunches, um, but you can also bring your own food and coolers if you feel more comfortable. It's very mask friendly. We're trying to keep social distancing very uh, on the forefront, um, but they are uh, encouraging donations. Um, and the Venmo, I think, is just like Black Heritage Dash Foundation, but, and they're also mm. going to be passing a hat at the event. But just to sponsor, hopefully, more events in the coming year, and we're hoping to do more stuff uh, with them uh, as a community action group um, and kind of learn more about what they do throughout the year and try to try to support them as a community. Cool. Amazing. Well, yeah, we might pass the hat on the show. We usually ask for donations, and lately we've been forwarding them, so probably just do that. So if you want to toss us five or ten bucks for the show today... Um, Beautiful. Give it to black people. Yeah. Give it to black people. Perfect. Um, and I guess, are we ready for a break then? Do we have more to talk about? Yeah. We're going to bullshit later after the poetry and shit. So. Cool. Cool. Um, hang out. Yeah, hang around and, and we'll be back with... Who's going first? Michael and Isaiah. Michael. The trash gang. Michael and Isaiah are going to do some, <laughs> some poetry and noise. And then uh, Bear is going to do some storytelling. So awesome. Thanks everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. 
Um, yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, this is the Trash Gang, uh, aka Michael Birding Ground, and Isaiah DeMonte? DeMontney. Yeah. I don't know my friend's last name because I don't need to. Um, but Trash, they're the trash. I'm, eating, I'm wearing this shirt. It says Live Fast, Eat Trash. So it's, I didn't do that on purpose at all. But um, you guys are awesome. Thanks. Everybody give it out. Give it up out there. Yay. 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 Pick off your socks. Send us all of your virtual claps. Are we ready now? We're doing the thing. Okay. We're doing the thing as I do the thing. Yesterday was scary. Today was bad. And tomorrow's going to be worse. Fires on the streets and in the eyes of those who ignited them. It feels like Mother Earth is simply but a hearse taking us from B to A. The skies are gray, but the view on our screens is worse. It won't go away. Apathy fueling the ammunition of the perpetrators. Murder and discrimination wafting into the eyes and the ears of the public. Becoming a trend, an opportunity to display, but not to act. Feeding off of what normalcy has produced. Innocent killers, oops, innocent victims lay below six feet, while killers walk freely on theirs. Silenced outcries of few, vocalized by millions into the homes and the hearts of murderers, echoing amongst armored vehicles and homemade gas masks alike. Thunder in the sky, dragging authority to its knees, slowly yet relentlessly. Waves of men, navy blue, black, and white, marching in lines Adolf would approve of, blocking from the grass days of sunlight, onto the lawns of family homes designed for care and love. Into the homes of peacefully sleeping families, riddling the floorboards and the ceiling with holes. All the true horrors flooding into your neighbor's doorway. Thankfully not yours. You'll be safe because you were born different, a different color. A place where skin color determines a life of struggle or privilege where supremacists have power over human lives, where those who do not experience these problems ignore their existence entirely, where the public is manipulated into pedestals for race's dominance to thrive. I don't want to kill a cop. I don't want you to think that. I just want neighborhoods where they don't have to get called when the shit goes down. And I want a neighborhood exactly like that right next to it. And three more. Eventually a city, and a city next to that one. Eventually a nation. I don't want to read BuzzFeed articles about how great cannabis is for you, but know there are many colored people who will never see the outside of a barbed wire fence because of it. I don't want to see innocent black lives stolen. I don't want another mother's eyes to be weighed down by grief, but we can't get that here. So me and my friends are gonna start a new world. One where the bare minimum of care and respect will not be praised, but where it will be expected. One where any authority figure, if any, is well-educated on the human mind and what it needs if manipulated or damaged. 
One where every person, no matter their color, is taken as a mother's child, a child's parent, a family member, and as a person. It's not utopia, but it can be close. At least close enough for now. And I really need your help. That's it for my segment. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you got to catch that great conversation with Phil, Saisha, and Jana. Um, I have next to me Bear, who's gonna tell us some stories. Um, please be sure to listen up and ask great questions. Uh, Bear is definitely a well of knowledge and we're so thankful to have him here today. So Bear, why don't you take it away? Thank you. Thank yeah. you for having me. Welcome. Hi, I'm Bear. A lot of you may have seen me at Curse Grocery. Um, I started doing my little stories somewhere last year, and there were actually stories, and now I do, co- I do comedy. Now, I used to tell stories, and just with the trash can here, my buddies, my bros, they would uh, play noise background to a lot of my horror stories and whatnot, and so, and um, I was approached by this at, one, at the time that the, uh, they wanted to start a lecture series about talking and blah, 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 because I, I, I could ramble for good hours. But at the same time, um, I actually tried to take it serious. I wanted to really like start putting a lot of uh, talking into what I did, and you know, because you know, comedy is fun and all, but you know, I always felt I was never good at it. So I had this thing, this little idea. It was that I'll, I'll, I'll tell some of my stories and just kind of just. It started off as poetry at first, like because you know. We had uh, open mic nights and whatnot, so I, I started just kind of cramming all my stuff together, and, and then just I came up with this, and uh, I tried it out, and then I had a set called Anger, where I, I, I went through all these these environments that you you emerge yourself into, like atmosphere and uh, the toxicity of work, and you know how that kind of follows you outside the the workplace, and how just being what you're represented as how you look how it just kind of affects you or me, I guess, specifically, and why and how, like, anger management worked. And now this is, this was a success. These were things that I, I feel these are my, my real work. And I really had nothing planned tonight because I was contacted just a while ago about this, and I just never really thought of anything. But we've had a protest here, and I did a speech at this gathering that these ladies put on. And... And you know, it was really amazing for a while to go to these things because you had all these people drawn to it. They had all these people come and hang up all these pretty pictures that they worked hard on. And it's not just, just writing a message. It's a lot of these people really put work into them. And it, it showed just kind of how people are deeply involved and how passionate they were about this. And I you know that was really great because we felt at the same time like how the interview earlier was that we kept thinking that we were going to get oppressed by this and people are gonna come rip it down and you know and I was there like almost every day trying to look all scary and trying to make sure none of that crap happened. We've had some drive-bys and not not in a bad way but like people just want to call us the, the n-word or record us yelling and saying all kinds of crap or give me the stare down. <laughs> you know that's what the kind of topic we want to stay in within right now you know because you know we all had it you know especially as a Native American how I grew up out my life here in Billings I've never lived or came from anywhere else I have always grown up here and growing up as a native you know being the only native kid in class being the only 
different colored skin and I didn't know I was native until maybe I was six years old. I didn't understand anything about race. Like I, it was just a word to me. But you know, growing up, I had people speaking different languages and taking me to uh, powwows and sun dances and, and or we'd be in a, in a lodge and they'd be burning things and dancing and I'd just be sitting in the corner like, yeah, you know, it's just, that was something that was my life all the time growing up. And I, you know, I didn't understand crap. I just sat there and loved to eat the free food that they bring. <laughs> So growing up, uh, we, I didn't grow up on the res. I got moved off because uh, they wanted me to, you know, not have to live on the res. They wanted me and my brother to grow up. Out here, we're, it's different, try to get involved in this society. So, you know, I went to a school called Ponderosa. You know, growing up and all that, I didn't, still color never mattered to me. I didn't give a crap what it was. It never occurred to me too. Uh, I had to go through speech therapy because I was so badly uh, broken in my languages. Because I, like I said, I've had natives speak to me all day, all the time, no matter what. I didn't understand it, but you know, like most of the time, I, if they told me to go, I knew that word. Or if I was in trouble, I knew that word. You know, like it just happened that way. Uh, out here, I just kind of spoke backwards. I talked too loud, too quietly. I mumble. I do things, and so it was always just sort of a challenge. So me and my brother had to go speech therapy and classes, and and then. Had to like just kind of mingle with these other kids, other students. So color still never a thing, and I always believe that maybe you know that never has mattered because you know I didn't learn about color and racism until maybe I was 13. Yeah, during within that time, I've had like Martin Luther King Day, any holiday that represented a different you know color, like you know, like also you know like. Uh, just let's talk about Columbus Day for a little bit. Like when I was brought that attention, you know, I was told that, you know, people came here from Europe and they settled and we're all peaceful in this magic little land. And we shared with each other, you know. Thanksgiving. That, yeah, I, I was, that was what I was told. And, um, and so like Martin Luther King Day, all the kids would have to draw something with them, with me. They would tell me how, tell the teacher how they would spend their day with someone like me. And I had no idea why all the kids were picking me. And I understand, but they all scribbled me in the color black, because I guess that was as close as I could, I could get, you know. And I understand, and then these kids say, started calling me native. You're native, you're native. And I was, at the time, I didn't know what the hell they were saying. I was upset, I told my grandma. They keep calling me a native, and she's like, well, that's what you are. And I understand this, you know, like it started bugging me even more, and I didn't understand that until, that's when I started developing that I have a color, a race, a, a, a culture, a tradition, subjects to, you know what I am, is then they start putting me into other classes with uh, cultural, cultural stuff and, asking me questions like, you know, what, do I hunt or, or do I dance? Do I, I know nothing, anything about beating, you know? And I, I, didn't, I didn't know what the hell that was. You know, and as I got older, that's where I started learning more about it. Growing up here outside of school, the streets I lived on, they weren't too bad, but I didn't really understand racism again. I mean, I played with the kids one day, they, they would like me and I, I we sure play uh, Cowboys versus Indians a lot. Guess who was the Indian? And, you know, like just growing up young around here, I experienced that, that sometimes I wasn't allowed at certain people's houses. And I didn't know why. I thought maybe it's because maybe it was dirty or whatever. I don't know. But some parents just did not like their kids hanging out with me and say, hey, this kid can't be playing with you. Can't come in my house, my yard, all that. 
But here, they still play with me. The kids would still play with me. But when it was time to go hang out at their house, I wasn't allowed. Never understood this point of view. Never did. And I kind of just grew up. I, never, I don't have best friends from growing up when I was young. I don't have friends from that era. Like, you know, I just was a good old high five and see you around, you know? It just kind of moved on from there. And then I started understanding racism as I, I, I got older. Now that I'm older, I'm not a child, so people start calling me things. I was supposed to celebrate things, and I had teachers trying to make me do things. Like, for one, like, they wanted me to, like, paint Native American art. That was one thing that was, like, the big keystone when it came to me uh, growing up. Like, oh, this guy can run fast. He can run long. You know, he, he, we should put this guy out for track. And that was one of the first things that was asked to me. He's like, hey, you're Native American, right? And I'm like, yeah. Are you a runner? Yeah, you know, so and me, my my asthma ridden ass tried to, you know, go out for track. Didn't, didn't, didn't last very long. I ran a good mile, though, on nonstop, but when I got to the end of it, dropped and threw up for a bit, and then then I had to start taking a little more care of myself with inhalers. But there was that one thing about art. I was really good at art. I'm really good at drawing and stuff like that. All the other kids, you know, they would draw whatever the hell they want. Everyone would make beautiful flowers and pictures and murals and landscapes. And here, when I, I did something weird, I was really good at flowers, and then I was really good at just weird shit, you know? Like, it's like, why is that guy, that guy got a skull? Well, he, he decapitated, you know, his enemy, and he now is wearing it as his head, and he's dragging his body around as a trophy. And she's like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> How about we try something different? I'm like, yeah. So I see that you're Native American and just grab like a stack of books and just kind of slide it towards me and kind of flip out to the first thing she sees. And I'm like, all right, so what are you? I'm like, what kind of Indian are you? The good kind? What? And she's like, no, no, what try? I'm like, crow. Okay, so kind of flip through that book and then she would show me a bunch of crow uh, style designs and all this. And then she wanted me to draw dancers and all that. So here I got in my head like, oh, I got one. Sun dancers that pierce their chest. You know, they, appear, they put willows through here, they tie it off, and they have like, they, they kind of hang themselves and then, until they break. So I drew something a little gory like that. That was gory, that was, but it was real, it was real tradition. And she kind of opened up the, my sketchbook and looked at it, and then she kind of closed it. So I said, you having trouble at home? And I'm like, no, that's, that's sun dancing. I'm like, it's a little bit much, isn't it? A little graphic. Don't you want to like draw shields and TP designs? And then that was always something that she pressed on me. And she wasn't a bad lady though, not at all. She died though sometime back, but at the same time, she always influenced me. But here it was like, as, you, as encouraging as you sound, you, you know, you're also just encouraging me to be a stereotype. I got that, you know, maybe, I'm not very close to my tradition as much as I would like to. Uh, you know, I don't have people show me things. I have friends at Sundance and uh, Smudge or Fast, but you know, I'm not as close as I would like to be. But there was always, that was always pushed on me. And it was never pushed on to me by my own family. It was always pushed upon me about, by white people. And because they always wanted to see the next Native American artist and whatever, you know, that was always something that happened uh, growing up. Uh, you know, so like, hey, you're native this, so how naturally am I? I have like this resilience, this this runner, and so they would always go on about this. And there was always that nickname, Chief. Like, like oh, you know, you know, like, everyone has a little nickname, but then when it came to another Native American, it was Chief. 
<laughs> I got big though after a while. I, I, I got larger and then, and then I became bear, black bear. Uh, it was a joke at first. Uh, I was the smallest in my family at the time because I was so skinny. And then I just kind of filled out and my brother's bigger. You saw my other brother here, he's pretty big too. Just, we're all just big guys. And so I just kind of stuck with him. So though, growing up though, I, know, I, I wanted to be a cop. I wanted to be in the army, but asthma has it. I can't, you know, it an easy being wheezy half the time. And um, I just can't do it. Like I can run, I, I'm big, I exercise, I work hard, but I just, I just can't keep up with my oxygen. So, you know, like, I, you know, like I couldn't do these things. So, you know, I just kind of went down a bad road for a while. I started, you know, I, I waited till I was 18 to actually start drinking and smoking, do all that crazy crap and, you know, living with the stereotypes. And ever, ever since growing up too, everyone always tells me like, you guys got this for education. You guys got per capita, you got free healthcare and all that stuff. They, this crap always hit me all my life. Even if I chimed into a conversation like, oh, you know, like my, my doctor said this will cost this and, I, and then I'll say something and then like, well, you're gonna get it for free. Well, and I'm like, well, not really. I can't go to a, a hospital here. I have to go back to the res. Yeah, well, it's still free. Yeah, but yeah, I had to take all my... It, well, just fucking free healthcare isn't quality care. All right? There's a difference. You know, like I can go up there and they're just probably going to give me a bunch of ibuprofen and tell me to walk it off. You know, last time I went and saw a doctor, I had pneumonia. And he kept saying, you sure you're not on meth? I'm like, no, I can't breathe. Well, it's probably your asthma. You probably just drank and passed out in the cold. And that was some, these are the same questions I was gonna ask. And this guy was like a foreign doctor, one of those that travel around, had a thick accent, and he would just assume I was just either high or smoking and all that was on meth. And I said, I just can't breathe. And well, so what do you want? I, I just want to know what's wrong with me. Well, we're not gonna give you anything higher than what ibuprofen can give you. I'm like, I'm not asking for drugs, but whatever. So, got my cough syrup and ibuprofen after spending maybe four hours and missing work and then drove all the way back. And then I went to sleep and then I almost died in my sleep. Had to go to the hospital here. Guess what? Hey, pneumonia! Wow, what a big goddamn surprise. Just shoved a tube down my throat and helped me breathe. And so I had to tell, I had, and it was an emergency, so I sent this to, to my tribe that, you know, I had an emergency. And all they sent back to me was like, well, did you try to drive here? Didn't you try to come back here? Didn't you? And I'm like, yes, I did, and all this. And they're like, well, we're not going to pay for your health care because, because you can just drive all the way to Crow. Well, I was dying in my sleep. I can't, I'm not even able to drive. Well, don't you have a friend or whatever? There's a transit that drives from Billings to here. And, and, and it was just an excuse over and over. And it says either keep fighting it or have to pay for it. Now, per capita is a fun little thing. People just don't understand that part. I had the greatest f fucking thing in my life is some woman was bitching. She's like, I don't see why my taxes go to you people. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, what's that per cap you guys get every couple months? Well, that's, you know, that's trees. Those are things that you guys are drilling on our land and we get a share of that. That's how it works. Your taxes don't go to me. Well, I'm pretty sure they do. You know, I'm like, well, I'm not on welfare. You know, I, I make my money and I do this. And she goes, well, you know, you guys are making probably 14 an hour. Your casinos. 
This isn't Nevada. No, fucking the only casino down there. You're a lot. A sixteen year old is allowed to walk in and have a soda. There's no alcohol to dry res, you know. And then there's always these assumptions growing up that this I have this I have that. That maybe my my tuition was paid, but the rest of it wasn't. I had to bust my ass getting the rest of my degree. And that was always something growing up. There was always a little stereotype, and I, I painted myself as an easy target. You know, loving my little outfits and chains and my jingle jangles, and then being Native American. You know, so now uh, a lot of times I'm this big walking faggot to a lot of other guys. But guess what? You ever want to get beat up by a big faggot? You know, like so. So I've always been aggressive growing up. I got into a lot of fights. I've been, you know, I've always had to grow to defend myself because I get all this dumb nagging crap, or I'm not allowed at some other kid's house. I can't date a lot of white women because of this, because they're like. Oh, is he like an alcoholic or what is what are they making you eat weird stuff? Like it was always some weird shit. And if we break up, then they call me the N-word. And it was always crap like this. Like as I don't know, it was just kind of having to grow up like this. You know, so dating was always a hard thing. Just being in a general area for me is a hard thing because I stick out just like that, you know? Like I'm just there. I'm the big guy in the pit around here. I'm that guy. I, I, I hear I don't even do nothing here. Goes, you're that guy. And I'm just like, I don't know where he's from, but I'm just like, hell yeah, I am. How you doing, buddy? He goes, hey, you beat up that guy. Oh, sorry. I don't, know. I don't remember that. But, you know, like, you're this guy. I've seen you at this concert. I've always been around. And the only stereotype is that I'm a big alcoholic. True. Anyways, <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm enthusiastic about alcohol. I've toned down now, though. I mean, I like collecting skull bottles and different breweries. And I've even made my own beer. I made it a fermenter and welding class. It, well, at the time, it was called a uh, 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 a deep fryer, but I made a, I made a fermenter out of a soda keg. I, I stripped it down. I made my own blueprints. I made this. I, I made a keg. Yeah, so I have fun drinking. But at the same time, every time I go out to a party, though, it's like, hey, Barry, you wanna, you want this, you want that, and then they just they assume I'm gonna get wild by the end of the fucking night, and they haven't even really met me. Like, like don't give them all the beer and blah blah. blah. Like, I get the joke, but after a while, the joke kind of gets stale. And so, like I said, I kind of grew up aggressive. Uh, I've gotten to fights, but never when I'm drunk. It's hilarious. The only time I'm in trouble with the cops is when I'm sober. When I'm drunk, it's like I just got, get lucky and wander off while the cops are coming this way, and I just get home. A lot of time, I, I was in anger management for a lot of my fighting, and this is for my last little uh, thing, is that when uh, I was being asked, like, would you do it again? And I'm like... Hell yeah, that motherfucker had it coming, you know? Like, I didn't, like, lie, like, well, I feel bad. No, 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 this guy was being a piece of shit. He followed me to my car, and I knocked him out. Well, why is that? Because he kept harassing me. He kept saying things, and so I'm not going to take it. Everybody in there cheered me on, like, whatever. She always tell me that's a red flag, because she tried to give me a diagnosis that I see myself as an enforcer, that I have to enforce... My, uh, my point of view around like and I'm just like what does that mean well if you don't like it when people pick on people you 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 interrupt or you you put yourself in that place and you try to enforce justice and this and that I'm like well he's being a dick or he's being racist he doesn't he shouldn't get to be like that yeah but you, there, you can't be violent all the time whatever so I went through this thing and it was like 25 hours and I have toned down since my young age you know, I have a couple kids now. Uh, 
I'm raising and, you know, I'm a great dad, I feel sometimes. I don't know. They like to climb on me like I'm a jungle gym. But then people still ask me, like, oh, so what are, what are you guys going to do? Like, you got to you know, raise them in culture and this and that. And, and you know, like, I don't know because a lot of my a lot of that stuff's not around anymore for me to actually to get into. Like I said, I'm not as close to my tradition as I want to be. You know, like, I don't have anybody to really name my kids or show them this way. And at the same time, they're not full-blooded anymore to be considered and be recognized by any tribe. My kids are half uh, Hispanic, uh, Cinnaboy and Sioux. They're also Blackfeet and they're Crow. I'm half Crow and half Blackfeet and their mom is a Cinnaboy and a Mexican. But their quantum level, they're not enough to be recognized. And that's okay to me. And people are like, why not? Don't you want the benefits? No. The benefits, fine, yeah, sure, great, benefits. But I don't live every per capita. I don't need that free healthcare. I don't need this stuff. I work hard enough to bring my kids up in a world like this that, you know, like I can take care of them. I don't need to rely on these things. And people think I'm making a mistake. Like, no, my daughter doesn't need this. And, you know, like stuff happens and we're not together. And then the people want to bring that up again. Like, don't you want the best for your child? And I feel that I am giving them the best for my child, no matter what. No matter if they're full quantum in blood versus if they are just what? What does that mean? There's an area I've never understood. If I'm not Indian, then what am I? What am I to you as a person? Uh, you know, like this and that, yeah, we have all this stuff going on lately. So let's bring it up to a little more modern. I said this at my speech. I had a guy I work with. He kind of was getting really mouthy and, and I dealt with this stuff back in college during uh, uh, Standing Rock when we were all going about water and stuff. And so people would always have to say, like, hey, Bear's probably got an opinion. Let's fucking bother him about it. Like, being me and, like, and two other natives in my class. And a lot of these guys, and being a welder, that's a very conservative job. You know, like, everyone wants to go to the pro, and I'll go, they go to the... Uh, the pipelines and you know they were all for that pipeline they were all for it that's why they were all there me I wanted a good job and I wanted to make art and um, so they're like hey what's Bear's opinion I'm on this like what do you think about standing rock Isn't, aren't your people out of line and I'm like first of all they are my people but that's not my tribe you know because I have to always explain tribes and nations to other people and my tribe I'm a traitor to a lot of other natives. I have to pretend I'm Blackfeet if I want to hang out with Cheyenne. <laughs> so it's a, there's, there's a little, it's a little more complicated as you get down that tree. So you like, so I always fight these guys. It's like, well, you guys are, you're on their land. That's their thing. We're not even on their land. I was like, well, are you out there? You know, I can't go. I can't be out there. I have kids. I have to school. And these guys are just kind of going on and off about it. And then like, and then if until I got loud and angry about it, now I'm being that belligerent native. I'm being a libtard. And I explained to him, like, you know, like, you guys are using, like, are the, any of these people shooting at them? Are they have weapons? They're getting hosed down in the fucking cold. And then they're just like, well, you know, it's just, you know, they don't have an answer for me. Though they all liked me as a person. Thought I was funny. I was a good beer drinker. You know, I, I, I had a great ideas. That was all I was known for with these guys. I was just like, just I was just like them, but you know I had different views. 
Um, natives have different views. We have this thing I call the tribal trade. I make on accident eye contact with another native outside the window. He'll see me come inside and he'd be like, hey brother, and I'm like, oh shit, how are you doing? And then he, he'll, he'll go down the whole thing like, hey, who's your grandpa, who's your dad, you know, who's your mom, who's your grandma? Hey, what tribe are you? Where, from you? where are you from? Where are you born? Were you on the county or are you off the res? You know, this and that, and I'm just like, I'm crow. Oh, oh, fuck you then. And then they'll just they'll either walk off, or if they were crow too, then we'd be like, hey, <laughs> high five. And then he'd be like, so can you like get me a bottle? <laughs> it always ended that way. So even natives have their own different opinions. I have I call it tribalists, people who want to bring up their own tribe. So you know I have to put up with this crap. Then I got to put up with crap with people in the real world world who just want to segregate me and, and say all natives are the same. So they all believe, you know, the pipeline and this and that. And so they want my opinion. They want me to get involved. And I don't know why to embarrass me or something. So growing past that, you know, like, and then this recently happened. And it's not about natives, but at the same time, we all share the same ideas. So it involves natives. It's about, you know, police brutality. I, f I was there because, you know, you, we all saw, and saw it live. Guy died couldn't breathe, and he just sat there like, you know, he was doing nothing wrong. So we com they complained about it, and this kept going on for weeks, and then the, the, during the COVID, trucks weren't coming back in time to our company because, you know, natives were, were, were doing checkpoints, and they weren't allowed to. So this is what this guy was complaining about. He wanted to complain about what other people were doing, and how he said it was always fucking natives or fucking Indians are doing this. Now, he's not a racist. I always thought he was just stupid. He's not a racist, he's just dumb because what he's about to say to me is just stupid. I said, well, good for them, man. Fucking don't go through there. Yeah, but we're not, we're not making money because he can't get here. And I was like, well, that's understandable. But at the same time, these tribes that, and it's not my tribe, it's that tribe. They have their own rules and laws. My tribe's a dry res. They have different rules. Some other tribes aren't. So there's always different things. But he started complaining, he started going off about throwing rocks and stuff like that, you know, and it was just all talk at first. I didn't give a shit. I kept working, I kept stacking my boxes. And then he goes and says, well, I should know, cause I know some Indians. And I'm just like, and that's when I started listening a little more. And he's complaining to another coworker about it. And he goes, there's good Indians and then there's bad Indians. And, and I was just, oh, okay, okay, so what? What are you trying to say? And he goes, well, I'm just saying, you know, I know some Indians. And I'm like, so what? Well, I'm just saying, I'm th my family's 30% or 70%. So fucking what? You want to do this by yourself? Whatever, Barry. You know, you can act like a fucking asshole. I'm like, why? Am I being a bad Indian? I, you know, he wandered off and did his own little fucking thing. But what pissed me off about the conversation was the other guy, he was like, well, it is what it is, and just kind of wandered off. First off, I'm mad at this motherfucker because he, it sounds like he's trying to give me an excuse to why he should, he's able to complain about Native Americans. He feels that he is so uh, well endowed with his family or culture or whatever that he knows so much about Natives that he can give me a reason to complain about him. It's already going to make you look bad. You're already going to look like a fucking racist asshole. Now, what made me mad the most is when that guy said it is what it is. Why is that so fucking normal? It's like every fucking year someone is getting murdered 
or killed or trespassing shame. We're always being wrapped up into these politics about someone doing something that they're not supposed to be doing. And once we do something about it, we're being assholes and it always plays around. It runs through the same thing. It's normal. It is what it is. It's always the normal fucking thing. We have to always be fucking, you know, this, it's always the same bullshit that we're brought to. Let's say, like, hey, yeah, he's a, he's a racist asshole. So it is what it is. Native lands are being stolen. It is what it is. The next person is being called a nigger. It is what it is. And we're supposed to be normal to this stuff. And, you know, it's like people like me, it's it's like I'm tired of hearing this shit. I didn't like what fucking Sunshine said. And, boy, I, want, I corrected him. And then later on, he got his hand crushed. Not my fault, but you know what? We're going to go past that. And I won't get into it deeply. But, you know, he had it fucking coming, and I ain't going to feel bad for it. But he wasn't racist. He's very fucking ignorant. And it is what it is, is a very fucking ignorant thing to say. Uh, you know, oh yeah, it is what it is. That's how it, life is. You try to grow, but someone wants to make you feel like shit and oppress yourself and, you know, put you back in your place. And so let's all wrap this back together. Is growing up as a Native American, I didn't understand what racism was until people were told me, telling me I can't date their daughters. I'm not allowed to play with your kids. And as I grow older, I'm a little different and I shouldn't be dressing like this. I shouldn't be acting like this. I shouldn't be drinking. I should be in traditions. I should be in culture. I should be embedded with my people. And you know, that as much as I want to, as I say, you know, it's where people want to put me. They want to place me in these things. I got a degree and they still want to place me on the pipeline and, they, and if I'm not, not for it I'm an asshole and I'm un-American and I heard somewhere that Native Americans got to prove that they're the most native because of quantum and that they're the most American because we are from here and, and so this is why this shit drives me these rallies we did these things that these 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 ladies put on for me like like I said, I can't do it. I'm, I'm not that smart, but I'm the enforcer, I guess. I will help in any way I can and draw people and rally behind us. And that was what my speech was about. It was just, you know, bringing people together. I wanted people to listen and understand that these ladies, they're, you know, they're, they're, they brought something here. People can come to this. They have speakers and everything. And they're trying so hard. And I feel it's not loud enough. I feel that we need to be angrier about it. And I can't be violent, obviously. But and that was the message I was sending that fucking day is that we're not there to be violent with people. That's not what's supposed to be. We're here to send a message to all these ugly people. I got to see that fucking day because, you know, when people ask me what's going to happen to my kids, it's not going to fucking be this. They're not going to be living here under one if they're an Indian or not, if they're not real enough for this or dying under the knee of our fucked up government. We will fucking rise above this thank you all right well thanks everyone for tuning in uh, big round of applause for bear here I'm sure you're clapping uh, we're going to cut to a short break and then all of us are going to come and uh, kind of shoot the breeze and talk about what's on our minds. Uh, stay with us. That means let's go for it. All right. Uh, we are golden. What's up, everybody? Hi. Hi. Yo. 
<laughs> yeah. 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 All of us are sitting together and speaking together now. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. We could start with like nice light topics. Some like niceties. TV shows you've been watching or music you've been into. Hey. Or we could get right to some meat and talk about like more race, capitalism, bullshit I, stuff. I, I have a brief aside about Scooby Doo, if I can be allowed that. Yeah. Okay. So one of the recent renditions of Scooby Doo. So the reason why Scooby can talk is because he's a He's a descendant of the ancient Sumerian Anunnaki aliens. And I just think that everybody needs to know that, but that's about it. Cool. Mm. Yeah. Nice. This is just a fun fact. Scooby-Doo's an alien. I'm into um, Sumerian aliens. What? The Anunnaki? That's some interesting shit mm-hmm. right there. Talk about um, the Nephilim. Mm-hmm. And Thoth's green tablets, or emerald's tablets. Oh. Mm-hmm. What about those? They're like, uh, they're supposed to be like, the source, like Thoth, is supposed to be like one of the Anunnaki aliens, and he came down and he like made like emerald tablets that like got like you know the history of like they're like the the theory of it all and like all these universal truths, and some of them have like technically been deciphered and everything. So they're like it's just it's a whole mess, but it's supposed <laughs> to be like the basis of what all modern day religions are off nice. of. Yeah. And so they just made that canon Scooby Doo lore. Cool. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that was a long fact about Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> <Holy> crap. <laughs> that went somewhere, and then it was like, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking, there we are. There we go. Dude, what you know about Scooby-Doo? <laughs> fucking not a lot. I, I just like that cartoon. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm just now tired of seeing I like the brown dog. I like brown dog. <laughs> Oh man, my grandma cried at Scooby-Doo when she took us. It was like the first one that was live action. And she, I think they like said shit. And then I don't fucking know what was in that movie. But she like cried and dragged us out halfway through. And I like went back and watched it last year. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, where did that happen? (laughs) Was it like some weird joke I didn't get it? Probably. It It was the weed jokes. Maybe, maybe. How dare they make Shaggy a pothead? I know. <laughs> Not just Shaggy, the dog too. The dog, <laughs> dog wasn't real. He just—he was just like all in Shaggy's head, and everyone just played along with it because Shaggy was just kind of maybe had some problems he had to deal with. <laughs> 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 like, he's an alien. I've established this already. Nice. This is what we're starting with. Well. <laughs> It's hard to follow a fucking bear's story, man. That was heavy shit. Thank you. Yeah, it was really good. That's what I meant by, like, usually a lot of that stuff was straight-up poetry, but um, I have a hard time uh, memorizing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had a lot of garage bands, and, and so I always have these guys play some music, and I just, I just run it down, and I'll just sing or whatever. But here... To actually just write something and have to do all that stuff to memorize it, it's just hard. Mm-hmm. So poetry was so hard because I just didn't want to always have to pull out my phone and do. And I, I talk so much. I, I'm a, I, my mom was like the biggest talker, and I never really knew her until one day I, I got to hang out with my mom. That woman can go for a couple hours. I remember riding in the back of a truck, and she's like talking, and then I passed out and wake up, and, and then I make eye contact with my sister, and she's like, you weren't paying attention, huh? I'm like, what? And then she goes, huh, Johnny? Huh? 
And then her, my grandma got mad, like, James, just shut the fuck up. You're talking too much. He goes, nah, I got a lot to say. Anyways, so Johnny, and she just kept going, and I just didn't even know where she was. And so I guess that's where I somehow just got that from her, my, my rambling and just going off. And so a lot of these things I, I write, I can write thousands of poetry. I can write thousands of fucking things. And on here, I will just not be able to just fucking say it. And so... I, when I started, they started giving me these shows, I wanted to start, you know, trying to do this, trying to, I know my stories because um, I know how to tell a story. And a lot of this stuff is real stuff in my life. Quit nodding at each other. <laughs> and um, so when writing, all I have, like literally, here, I'll show you right now. All I have, how, this is my set tonight. Anything about Scooby-Doo? That's it. Can I read it? At me next time. <laughs> oh yeah, go ahead. Read your ma magician's This is my outline. Open up about growing up native, how the idea was to stay with my zone from people pushing me to do art and act a certain way. Stereotypes, being native today, and why the rally, I'm drawn to defend myself and stand for others. Well, that's yeah. all I had in mind. Yeah. Like, H how you, how you like, connect all those things and expound upon them is incredible yeah like to go to go in that like just with an outline of something and be able to like uh flesh it, it out put yeah. it in such a powerful way it's because i already mm. know it i already feel this crap mm. yeah. like i experienced it i didn't just make it up in my head that's how I, uh, what i mean by songwriting mm. is when you song you gotta get creative okay so when i write songs now I have, I have, it's I, just a story I've told. And so this is what this is. I already know this stuff. This is why it's an outline. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing I have to memorize. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I need to say because I already have felt it, I understand. Like, and it's fucked up to say this because I, I like being oppressed. It, it makes me feel more like I'm being challenged, like fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. Push me down. See what happens. See what's gonna happen. I, I love being like like I'll I'll slap on my vest that has like a picture of a KKK member being hung from a tree or you know beating up an all right member and all that. And I wear this. And I'm like you know like go ahead. You know if you're gonna oppress me, you don't like me. I'm just gonna find a bigger reason for you to not like me. <laughs> and so like all my stories, it's just that I've went through this crap. Uh, I felt this all my life, and and so when this happened, I, every day I kept coming to these guys' gatherings, as I, as I got more pumped up, I kept thinking about it more, and then when we all got together, we're all outside, and we're all wearing black and masks and dressed up, and I'm just even more enthralled. I become the thing I want to be. I become that warrior I never got to be. Like at mosh pits, when they end the band, like music, when I walk to that pit and there's just a circle, I'm just so, I, I can't wait to get out there, you know, I can't wait to get out there and move around and just slam shoulders with everybody. <laughs> and so that's how what my work is like, is I'll make an outline and I start talking about it. Then I remember things and then I feel that moment again, like a song that I've once heard and, and I, every time I hear this song again, 
I'm going to always dance the same. I'm always going to sing the same to it. It's always going to bring back a memory. So these stories just come back to me mm -hmm. like that. So, yeah, I remember having to listen to my teacher tell me this. I remember I wasn't allowed to play with this kid. I wasn't allowed to date your daughter because um, they weren't into Native American people. You know, it's like, you know, like I remember experiencing stuff. And then the whole Standing Rock and all these dumb questions I was asked. And then remember that day I was out there with my big banner waving around in the hot sun melting and half these bikers and militia wouldn't want to shake my hand but i was offering it to them because mm -hmm. you know i you know out of respect you know they want to yell in my face they want to do this so i feel that you know so and as my speech wasn't as loud as what i said tonight i wish it was because i you know i haven't felt like a protest I've never went out there and looked some asshole in the face who doesn't want me to be there who's afraid that I'm going to throw rocks through his window mm -hmm. you know I never felt that and then now I have I have it more in me that I have more experience to, I have that feeling now and that's what drives me now even more to say this and you know say what I did because you know I experienced it and I felt it hell yeah yeah <laughs> Down the line, <laughs> dope. I definitely feel that like anger is like a like a motivator. Like there is something really like he's talking about when we were doing the memorial thing and everything. And Shane from Kirk's Grocery put out the PA system. Everyone's like, so he said, do a speech, and I'm like, be wary of when you put a microphone in my hand. <laughs> you know, like I was like, I have like. A lot to say, and it, it was nice to just speak to a group of people and be like, this "Dude, you made me fucking cool. cry!" Like it's that not, was the first time that I had, like actually cried. It's a talent, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's like but like what what Bear is saying. Like you don't have to. It doesn't have to. It's not a speech. It's not. It's not even so much a story. I'm like, this is this it's is the life that I'm living. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, so like if someone's like, I need you to talk to these people about how it feels to be under systemic oppression. I don't have to write like a like a point by point list and I'm like I literally there's all of these stories like that like all of these memories you have from your entire life and it's like you just have to pick one whichever one you feel like telling at the time and all of them are the same story about like racism mm. but it's also like it, it like I, sometimes I feel bad about it like it's a like a self crit when I'm having fun at these types of things when I'm like when I'm like yes and we're telling them off and I'm like giving a speech and we're organizing and I always felt bad like is this like what you want like people will be like oh you just want to be a victim you want to be a victim so bad as if like oppression is a thing that I'm happy to have in my life but it is nice to it is nice to to work against something mm. well actually I don't feel like it's working against something like I'm not so much working to dismantle white supremacy as I am working really hard for my own like for my own happiness and my ability to like live this life without obstruction so i'm like there's people and i feel like this is like my biggest con like criticism of conservatives i'm like you spend your whole life rallying against things you're anti this you don't want this you don't want this you don't want this you're always trying to take something away from somebody when there's on the other hand i feel like i'm fighting for liberties on the like, I'm not trying to take anything away from anybody. I'm just trying to make sure that we all have access to the same things. Mm. But it also, it's just nice to be mean to racists. Like, I'm like on Facebook and I'm like, time to go cyber bully small. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> that reminds me, I called a guy, uh, a guy an old white ball sack today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, because like he he has like a wrinkly forehead and bald, and like he was saying about how like he was calling all the protesters the n-word and monkeys running around and like <laughs> I had to do something but, yeah definitely yeah like, fuck people who are so ignorant is, like I could explain to you why this is wrong or I was like or I could find I feel like like my my version of trolling because it is a it is a release is not is not coming up with concepts that I know are going to make people mad it's saying something that is true yeah. in the most disrespectful way you could possibly tell it to a person. Don't you just like that too? Yeah. You just like eat it up to like, mm, yes, you yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah, go and get pissed off. You're getting mad and you're just, mm, it's so good. But, but so then good. I, I see it from the other hand because I'll be like, I'll be like reading something and I'm like, looking at my phone like in the night and I'm like, how would anyone have this opinion? And I'm like, and I'm like, ah, yes, we're all terrible in the exact same way. Right, yeah. <laughs> we're all thing, doing the same thing. Yeah. One thing that stuck out to me about Bear's story was that your anger management classes, when someone told you that you felt like you were an enforcer, like, and that was somehow like a bad connotation because mm -hmm. you felt like you had to enforce justice. And that really kind of blew my mind of like, so, the opposite of what she's saying is to stand by when I'm being oppressed, when somebody's like pushing my buttons and like trying to get me to like triggering that fight or flight response. So I'm supposed to just like say, okay, you're right, and not stand up for myself. Like saying that being an enforcer of justice is bad. Mm -hmm. Right. That really <laughs> kind of. Well, yeah, up. when I was asked, like, do you regret. You know, beating up that guy or getting into a fight with this guy, and I'm like, yeah. And, you know, at the same time, violence is wrong. You know, the first time I went to jail, you know, I was young and stupid. It was over a girl, and so I beat this guy. Up. And then, you know, like at the same time, when they asked me, if, you know, would you, do you regret that? And I'm like, no. I'm like, why not? Because fuck that guy. I mean, he was gonna just rub this in my face the rest of my life. And as I live on, I'm gonna be looking back on this time in my life. Would if, if I could have done anything about it? Should I have fought for it? You know what? You know what is my stance about it? It's like no, I don't regret it. I mean, if I didn't fight for it. If I didn't feel like I'd done nothing to stop or prevent or do anything or tell this guy, you know, he can't be talking shit to me, I would be feeling this for the rest of my life, this regret, this sting. And that's in any situation, like how we speak and how we talk to each other. Should I have told that woman I love her or should I have not fucking taken that last drink? Should I have not, you know, fucking ran that red light and got those people hurt you know it's like people are gonna think about this stuff in life and wish that they did something different and if they mm. could do something different didn't do something and if not let it go and not let it hurt yourself so when this lady asked me that i was like no because i because for a fact i know i'm gonna feel bad about it it's not like i i, I fucking killed this guy it's not like i ruined his fucking life he won he did whatever and you know and i moved on with my life but here i felt content with what happened even if it was stupid violent I paid a fee or whatever but it opened a new world for me and I moved on I can't be a cop now because I had a record I did all this and I couldn't go in the army because of asthma so I kept going and then today's world if I was a cop then what where would I be am I your enemy now I would be probably 
You know, and I'd be getting mad at you saying it's my job. I would talk shit about you. Yeah, I would have to do this. I would be facing something else. We would all like, still talk shit about you. <laughs> so what he told me in here, that's what made me mad, is that, yeah, you like, yeah, because if I see this other guy getting beat up, I'm going to be pissed off. Or if someone's calling someone, uh, you know, something else, and you're just not letting people live. You know, and they're not harming anybody. As long as you're not harming anybody, you have the right to live anything. I've always felt that I listen to everybody's point of view, of their perspective. And I always said that, say, hey, you know, like, how, how anything is viewed, either if you're a liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, independent on the Green Party, or, or you're just an angry old guy, you know, who doesn't like weed. I see your point of view, and, and I just I see your point of view either way, and I accept that. I take it in. I won't argue with you. I won't call you a piece of shit. I won't end our friendship over it. But I've understood. I took what you have to say. But if you start trying to interrupt my life, my living, try to say I can't be this way, then now we're gonna have a fight. If you're trying to harm people, now we're gonna have a fight, and now I'm gonna enforce. And that's what it's always been like. Like this whole scenario, I was so afraid of these guys, someone might throw something at them. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be there. You know, I put on my, my big old spike mask and walked around in a circle with my friend Shane who had a bat. And we walked around. And, I, and, I, and as these guys tried to yell some, I got in their face. You know, like, you know, you're a big man with a gun. Mm -hmm. You're concerned. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it you're concerned about that you need to be standing on the corner with an AR Oh, you're gonna mow us down? Is that what it is? You're prepared to just just go freaking whatever? Like it's like, yeah, you have your right to be there. You're concerned about the riots, but what the fuck? You ready for a goddamn war? Or it's like yeah. half of these people have sticks and pieces of paper, and you're just gonna just <laughs> why? Is this the thought thought process process that we had? An opposing protest, and it was just so stupid. There's so many. The the thing that always scares me with like Boogaloo Boys and the South will rise again, and <clears throat> even people on leftist sides. I'm like, they're like, they're like, let it pop off, and I'm like, are you ready to shoot me in my face right now? And I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm really concerned that like so casually people are like, I think the only way things are gonna change is if I kill you, and I'm like, there's. There's no other point we can get to before that. And like, not to get me wrong, I'm a huge Second Amendment fan. I feel like marginalized and vulnerable communities need to be armed and trained immediately. I feel like there's a lot of veterans that can aid in that. Like organizations like the Redneck Revolt and the SRA, I think those are beautiful things. But I'm like, could we possibly not kill each other? And I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't want it to get to that point. <laughs> Like, but people are so, so ready for it. Mm. And it bothers me because I'm like, people are like, could I take a human life? But I'm like, even besides that, like, even if you lived after that, like, that's a lot of therapy I'm going to need for the rest of my, my entire life. So maybe like, let's not shoot each other. <clears throat> Weird. Yeah. But I also believe that like when Black Lives Matter goes out to protest, like the new black, the new black Panthers went out in Atlanta. And even though they're super anti-semitic we need to talk about like that that's the discussion that needs to be had like i 100 percent believe that when we're fighting for like trans rights for gay rights for black lives for the end of white supremacy for all of these harmful situations there those people who are coming to those protests there needs to be a percentage of them who are visibly armed um and so like the armed protest is not what i have a problem with it's the like because i feel like that's a right it's it's what people are protesting and i'm like and i'm like all i said was less 
police violence and now you're standing on the street with your AR. And I'm like, why me? Like, shit, I have nothing. You also have nothing. Like, mm. the fuck are you going to shoot me for? Mm. Um, I, it seemed like, uh, I, I, uh, like a lot of people didn't push for like any sort of assault weapons bans or anything like that until uh, people were protesting in Watts, like uh, at the courthouse there with like assault rifles and stuff like that uh, with the Panthers. Well, I've, like, a lot of like, a lot of people did like didn't uh, care to have legislation like that until they like, saw black people with guns. guns. Yeah, gun, yeah, gun control is specifically related to the fear of armed black and brown communities. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's when like everybody was cool with you having an AR into the city until the Black Panthers rolled up with their ARs. Yeah, and that's when gun legislation mm -hmm. started getting enrolled. And so that's when people are like, when I'm like hanging out with my lib friends and my centrists. I don't have centrist friends. But <laughs> 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 I mean, when I'm hanging out with them and they're like anti, they're like anti-gun. They're like gun violence is a problem. All these things are a problem. And I'm like, you're absolutely 100 percent right. But there's Nazis in the gun range right now. Mm. And what are you gonna do? They're like, I'm like, I don't like you're gonna lay down and die. I was like, because that's not what I, that's not what I want for you, like, at all. But unfortunately, like we're living in this like, this weird limbo of fear and whatnot. So I'm like, get yourself a fucking gun, learn how to use it, and then do anything except for shoot somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I uh, I like that you use the term scraps somewhere in this conversation. That's, like, definitely something that I, like, my phrase that I obsess about a little bit is, like, that we're all fighting over scraps. Like, um, we've been, like, the, the normal person has been put in a position where, like, shit is pretty tight. And there's something that happens in our psychology um, where, like, if our life is threatened or we feel stressed about bills or about eating or whatever, like will turn into a locust. It's survival. Yeah. There's a real, this might be a little long, but like it's fascinating because um, grasshoppers and locusts are different species. Um, but what happens is that like um, it'll rain and so all the grass will grow in the spring and the grasshoppers will come and eat it and then they will propagate and, and grow and then the grass goes away. Um, and like physiologically they change into locusts into like what we hear about in the Bible with like they'll come and eat everything because there's just like so many of them and there's so little resources that they just turn into like this whole different like creature mm -hmm. and that happens with us mm -hmm. and like something that I appreciate about like class consciousness or talking about like class issues with stuff and like doing intersectional work like relating how different um, racial stuff affects class stuff clearly like mm -hmm. we can start to identify like um, how we don't have to fight over scraps and like if we put our scraps together and come together as communities like yeah. then we can start to do meaningful work against like structures that are harmful exactly, yeah, exactly. Well, um, we're, like people forget that we're just uh, we're just monkey people with reptile brains just right. weird animals yeah. with opposable thumbs and way too much consciousness for sure well, and I, yeah. I feel that fighting that fighting over scraps mentality is is like 
where that all lives matter like sort of mentality comes from where it's just like well I've, I've had stuff happen <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but like I, I, I notice like it's like uh, I said to some old wrinkly ball sack on uh, Facebook yeah. well, Isaac, Isaiah um, that uh you know the people the people who say all lives matter are like the same people who would like freak out if their daughter dated like a black dude or something like that it's like uh you know they'll claim to not have that but mm. it's like totally i don't see color yeah yeah i'm, like, I'm not racist color, but you don't see systemic oppression mm. if right. you don't see color you don't see how i'm being discriminated against right yeah mm-hmm. specifically yeah yeah it's a kind of a pro and a con, isn't it? It's a, yeah, it's an open correction <coughs> in academics as well. Like, I don't see race, but then at the same time, you can't sympathize with me. I mean, I get that you're 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 all about all this and you love everybody, but you're you're not going to be able to sympathize with me because you don't understand how to be of color. And that's a lot of how why I say a lot of people aren't racist; they're just ignorant. Yeah, yeah. I'm like that's very like, proudly black, and I want people to like when people see me, and I'm like, not being racist doesn't mean not recognizing me as a black person. And I'm like, if you don't <clears> see race, you're completely dis like diminishing a whole part of my identity. Mm. I've had at least five girl. I'm not gonna call them friends. Acquaintances <laughs> say I'm not racist. I'm just like not into black men, and it's a preference. It's not a race thing. And I'm like, oh, is it? <laughs> is it? Like, is it really just a preference thing? They're like, it's just I can't help what I'm attracted to, and I'm like, that's so are you socialized into? Yeah, well, well, it's gay culture too, though. Like gay, Ugh, gay no, people can no fans, no blacks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, no Hispanics or whatever, man. That's that's like the exact same thing as like the unconscious biases of our society. Like that's just watching them play out in like a relationships, you know, mm-hmm. standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same thing. Right. And I'm like, yeah. by all means, like these people who are racist, they're like, they're like, it's a preference. I'm like, I don't want you to date a black woman with how you exist right now. Like, right, right. You're, you're like, like, please fucking don't. <laughs> <laughs> We have enough bullshit that yeah, get the yes, fuck I also have a problem with the white girls who are like, I only like black men. And I'm like, well, it's, such, it's weird because I'm like, fetishization? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's a fetishization. Fet- like, that's not good either. Like, I don't want you to go to the other extreme. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those are bullshit. I was talking about that, like, uh, with. It's like Asian people, like Asian women are fetishized to, mm-hmm. to a huge degree. And then like Asian men like are cast, <coughs> ca- like cast out in, in the dating world. It's because a they lot. can't infantilize yeah. Asian men, but that's what they do with the yeah. Asian women. Yeah. And it has mm-hmm. to do with like, yeah, I feel like it has to do with like the submissive like aspect of like what white men think Asian culture is okay. and how like yeah. these like Asian women like want to be saved by them right. from like their communist culture. Yeah, <laughs> Just, a, lot, like, a lot of them I've heard got a lot of white men fed, fed by world, you know World War Two and like Vietnam and stuff. Oh like, yeah, you know. I got a thing about Vietnam. This guy was this is kid. He was uh, he was from Vietnam. He was Vietnamese and he was an exchange student at my school. And it was fucking precious. This guy was adorable because he did not understand what a Native American was. Because um, the first day I met him, my uh, my friend at the time, he goes, dude, I got this fucking guy you got to check out. And I told him, I know, I know a real Indian. And I'm like, what are you, what? 
No, I'm fine. How would you go? So we go to lunch, and he comes in and goes, and he comes in the room with the guy, and he goes, "That's him right there." <laughs> and he's the little Asian guy's like. He's him? like, no fucking him? way. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, look at him, like, what are you fucking doing? He says, sat next to me. And he's like, he gets all his stuff out and he pulls out this little translator or something like that. And he says, so, uh, so are you really Native American? I'm like, yeah. Oh, you can speak English and blah, blah. And he just went on. Like, what? It's like, in his culture, they believe we still ride horses and live in teepees. And he, and he gets asked me, do you eat like, Deer and bear and stuff like that. I'm like looking at him and here my friend, he was just fucking He's rolling on his chair and I'm like, did you put this guy up to this? He goes, no, no, this guy really believes. He's never met a Native American. You're, you're just, like, yo, we're yeah. not Amish. Like, <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was Mexican too. And so here he, he became my best friend, one of my best friends out there. His name was On Lee. He was, he was a smart guy, and he, he, he lives in New York now, but at the same time, meeting a Native American, to him, it was just like, To be fair, I lived in Vietnam for a while, and, like, their idea of what American culture, like, their information is one a little bit suppressed about American culture, and it's, like, in, like, they're still, like, like what they think is, like, cool, hip, uh... American clothes or like you know those early two thousands clothes. Oh, <laughs> and like, baggy shorts. They dress like they're on Disney Channel characters. Yeah, yeah, you guys leave Jinko jeans alone. I was gonna like, say Jinkos are those like, a thing? Are those the, the really long? I wore yeah, huge ass shorts. shorts. You guys leave. You guys leave no. trip alone too. Wearing Jinkos in. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm wearing us. I. We got a whole set. They feel great. They bought it. And they don't. They don't chafe. Yeah. Gotta explain it to people every fucking time. Hell yeah! yeah. They came back. They're cool. They have my size. I'm like 44. I'm a big man. Leave me. I'm like, I'm like out there. Like you go to like fucking Walmart. You're not gonna find a 44 unless it's like Dickies fucking work pants or like overalls. You know, like jeans are like segregated down to like. 36. I'm a big guy. Jinkos and trip pants are my friendly little neighborhood, right? Not the trip pants. Especially the ones that unzip. Yeah, just like these. I have them in. The unzip. I love. It's hot today. That's hardcore. Moving on! <laughs> Do you keep the pant legs with you, or is it like... You I could! Because my pockets yeah. are here! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you're you're all the way you're way you're all, guys! It's not a fucking issue. Alright. I have a small dog in this pants. Right, right. I have my is lunch. Is that what A couple <laughs> beers and whatever, I'm good to go. Alright. Look, <laughs> <laughs> like my back pockets maybe that long. <laughs> oh! Uh... We have a big donation from, um, from Saisa's mom. From Saisa's mom. She'd yeah. be saying there's oh, money awesome. because my parents don't want me to be Mother Teresa, but it's their fault. They made me this way. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes yeah. when I'd be like, we have to support this cause, my mom's like, I'm not going to send you this money, Saisa, money that I desperately want. She's like, it's to your cause. <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> Send it to me. Um, it was a fatty donation too. That will go fatty. to um, the Black Heritage Center here. Foundation. Foundation. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's cool like that. 
Thank Next you. Thank you. Thank you. Tamika. Tamika Schumann. Miss Schumann. We have two questions. Oh. Oh, we yeah. do. Uh, Isaiah. Yeah. Good question. Uh, why did you start doing a noise project? Uh, I don't know. Just a way to like really express my anger and use it as a, use it as like a way for me to release it through a positive way instead of hurting myself, which I do regardless of the show or not. But uh, I was gonna say was, with the way you thrash around. Yeah. Like that shirt. Oh, the shirt. <laughs> Definitely go to a Mountain Dog Peak show. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, there, there will be some hurting self stuff. Like, uh, Are you know. involved too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what kind of uh, hurting yourself have you done on stage? Uh, You're talking about hurting yourself I got on this stage, one. right? <laughs> <laughs> so this one time we had... Uh, one of those clothes rack things that would be at like Goodwill or something. Yeah. And Isaiah like jumped on that and like <laughs> slid into the crowd, but then it like collapsed like halfway. And that was pretty cool. How did I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was gonna like crash under me, but then I just landed on it and smacked hard on it. And then it slid down, then broke apart. <laughs> and then his signature move is the uh Broken aluminum can cut on the forehead. Oh yeah, yeah. I got like, where was that again? Right there. It's usually. Uh, when did that happen? What show was that? Uh, that was uh, what you call it. That uh, <laughs> one. <laughs> there was there was a couple times. <laughs> yeah, including the, the yeah when I broke down the thing, the, the clothes rack. I cut myself open with that rusty because it was like all rusty inside. Oh shit! And then yeah. dry fest, dry fest, the dry fest Yeah, dude. Well, that was yeah. fun. Oh, that yeah. was a fun. I fractured my elbow there. Oh. <laughs> I hurt, I hurt you ran elbow. up the stairs earlier and like started screaming at people because they they all went upstairs. <laughs> no, that was part of the act. Yeah, so yeah you just yeah. thought Isaiah was just like so crazy, flopping like just <laughs> by himself. Yeah. I, yeah, I was like telling people, I'm like, oh, that is the show that's happening downstairs. <laughs> like it's it's it has migrated. Yeah. Uh, there, there, <laughs> That's not a homeless guy. That's not a performer. There were girls that were like alarmed at it. Really? Yeah, yeah. they were like, yeah. that guy's fucking out of line, dude. That guy's an animal. We're gonna get this guy thrown out right now. Who's, who's man's? <laughs> My favorite of yours is still the first time I ever saw Isaiah perform. He just like put his amp down and put peanut butter yes. on the on the guitar and just let his dog lick it. That's the memory on the I had. Yeah. And yeah. Like, he like dumped something. Oh, you were like. Like you something over your head. Oh yeah, that's right. It's always it's always a good time. It's that's always a good time. He once went downstairs. He put his guitar through the hole in the floor, and then he went all the way downstairs, and then he was like, "Fucking through the hole." I was just like, "How did he get down there?" And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then he started sticking his fingers through. Right. Wait, that was that guitar too, right? Yeah, that jazz yeah. master. Hold <laughs> it up to the camera real quick. Uh, what yeah, used fucking thing. Yeah. This is Jasmine. How is that thing still alive? I don't know. Oh, yeah. There's some waste vision stickers on there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. On the product placement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Shout out to LB. Shout you sell out. Leave me alone, guys. I need to talk to this bright representative. That's not punk. <laughs> That's not punk rock at all. <laughs> He's advertising, yeah. Shame That's on. really sad. <laughs> Doing things for money. Yeah. Those squires, they're tough. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Got another question. Yeah. Uh, does anyone know if there's new board members going into Black Heritage Foundation? Oh, um, that was a question I can ask uh, as I am entering the foundation, but I don't know right mm-hmm. off the bat. Um, I do know that they're always they're always accepting new members, black and non-black. A lot of their members are not black, um, so don't feel like you know. You are like, you know, at the board meeting I was at, like it was actually the board was only like, I would say half black. And there were some okay. other communities of color and a few white people on the board as well. Black history is American history. Yeah. yeah. So everyone join, everyone support. And you can probably uh, ask if you come to Juneteenth, you can probably ask uh, either Pastor Melvin or any of the other people there who are kind of in charge um, of that, so. Isaiah, I have a a point. Hmm. Um, I like how you talk about uh, expressing anger in your in your music. Mm-hmm. I have like um, friends and fools, right? That band in Missoula. Um, uh, my friend Thomas, who sings in that band, was talking about like how. Um, for the longest time, she felt like uh, she couldn't express anger as like an indigenous person um, because it's like so easily dismissed as like savage or something. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you're not allowed to be emotive if if you're in these classes because it just like shoves you into a category where you can be dismissed. Um, so I don't know. I guess it's just like I guess I just want to say it's really cool that you are being angry in your sound. Yeah. So, good job. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. It's some, it's some bullshit. It's some bullshit. Some yeah, bullshit. because it's like, there's this new thing that like, when you're having like, discussions and if you show any type of like, emotion, people are like, well, I'm the most logical and cool-headed about it, therefore mm. I win. And, and I'm, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> And I'm like, no, the reason why I'm being, like, I'm getting so emotionally involved in this is because this is something I am passionate about. And I'm like, I cannot remove my emotions from these issues. It's one of the founding, like, like this whole thing that, like, facts don't care about your feelings, but all of my feelings are based off of facts. And I'm like, so therefore, like, it's okay if I get angry when bullshit is going on. And it's like this whole like we've got all these like terrible stereotypes and it's like the negative like angry black woman stereotype mm-hmm. and I'm just like people are like oh you don't want to be like that and I'm like putting the pants on and I'm like putting the whole uniform on and I'm like no I'm 100% the irate loud angry black woman in public ask me what the fuck I'm angry about yeah yeah and it's like it's not like I'm just out here just like upset for the sake of being upset like I've got reasonable and even if they are slightly unreasonable like I've got legitimate emotions that need to be addressed Mm. and it's like the whole thing is like like these communities have evolved around survival how to survive in white America and so when I'm like talking to the city administrator or talking to the police chief or just talking to people like regular people where I'm supposed to be presenting myself as a professional and I'm wearing a blazer and some loafers I just <laughs> I just like completely and I'm like the code switching into mm. professional language I throw that to the side if 
anything I talk more like colloquially and expressive in these professional zones because I need people to recognize like not just a race issue but also like a, a class and elitism issue that even if I'm not saying things with my $7 words, I have poignantly and succinctly expressed the same thing that you were about to say. And I was like, so why is it when I say it like this, the value of it is diminished? And I'm like, people need to be forced to exist alongside of each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and even if I'm like more colloquially expressive than I would consider myself on a regular basis, like that is purposeful. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're not going to, you're not going to dismiss me like you would dismiss somebody else like in any other circumstance where you're like, oh, they're cussing or they're not using these words or they're like being loud. And I'm like, you're gonna hear what I have to say and you're gonna hear it exactly as I said it. And there will be value in that and you will not ignore it. Um, And I think a lot of more people need to get like that where someone says something like in a meeting and you go, that sounds like bullshit to me. And people are like, you're not supposed to talk about it like that. Mm -hmm. Shannon Stoker (laughs) would say not to say it like that. I don't know. Shannon Stover's a big. Mm. Actually, maybe Shannon Stover would be like, Saisa, that is some bullshit. <laughs> maybe. But I'm, like, but I'm like, um, I'm sorry, she's a... Yeah, who is it? She's a, she teaches the AmeriCorps Vistas, like a professional and career development classes okay. and like things about like emotional intelligence. She's a independent business owner and basically the bee's knees. I cool. respect her so much and I want to be her one day. So shout out to Shannon Stover. But she would say it's bullshit. No, no, she would. No, she would tell me somewhere. She would say not bullshit. She would say read the room, Saisa. Express your anger, but in productive ways. That's what she would say. And mm. instead, I just go, that's some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it, that's one thing is like uh, like code switching and things like that are, are things that I like. Growing up in Montana with with such a, a like a small population of uh, anybody but white people and and uh, like I mean even the Native American population in Montana is what like ten percent less than ten percent like uh, code switching and things like that like weren't in my purview uh, until mm-hmm. I I lived in like Los Angeles and like. Mm-hmm had friends that like would legitimately tell me about oh yeah like I totally switch up how I talk when I come to work and I'm like what that sounds like that sounds crazy to me that people have to do that but to be taken seriously a lot of people genuinely have to like change how how they talk how they are yeah yeah and it's yeah around here I have to code switch like just for rednecks pretty much like (laughs) if I want to genuinely ask like how a clerk is doing but hey how you doing tonight just like trying to sound like a fucking folksy thing there's like such a negative connotation and like attached to code switching but it's like when like we were talking about earlier when uh when academics are trying to talk about these issues there's really a value in code switching to make sure you're not using like highly specialized language mm. so that the conversation is accessible to everywhere. In that circumstance, code switching mm. is a really good thing. Right. Mm. Code switching for survival, on the other hand, is a huge problem. Mm. Mm. Right. I think something about code switching that happens a lot here is uh, a lot of Indians get told that they get talk that they talk like white people. I would say no we're started now <laughs> no, I would say some of the some of the earliest racism that I experienced in my life was not just from white people it was from 
other people in the black community because like I would say that like I talk like a little bit of a square I, like I see that I recognize that <laughs> and it's literally like all like these these different interests I share where people would be like that's not what black people are into mm-hmm. that's what white people are into mm-hmm. you talk while you sound like you have white interests but that wasn't just being called an Oreo by white friends that was being called an Oreo by like black family members and then like the black community but the thing is like I was a child and I was super butthurt about it and I don't think we should do things like that anymore but you get these like I feel like these almost these two groups of people in these marginalized groups who get cast into white roles by the people they belong to is they either grow up and accept that in their heart and find other people of color who share their same interests or they became they become super jaded and distant from the community that they feel rejected from and that's where I'm talking about you, Candace Owens. I wanted to bring that up in our talk earlier. There, there you go. The time. No, Can't, you go. You go. No, no, no. I'm done. It's you. <laughs> oh, I was gonna talk about. I'm calling out all the white people who use like the few black people online who have internalized racism to justify your own racism. Um, like I had like so many friends and a family member or two like just like send it to me. Like, what do you think? And I said, first of all, fuck Candace Owens. Um, And second of all, doesn't fucking matter what he did. Doesn't change his right to live. Mm -hmm. Like, you, like, Candace Owens' video just, like, like like I said, justifies people's biases. And is like, oh, one black person agrees with me. That means everything I say. Well, I've seen seen the Hodges (laughs) twins is a thing now. Oh, yeah. These two two, uh, black men, they're twins, and they're wine as fuck but that has nothing to do What's with their anything name? they're the hodges twins i don't hodges. know that yeah the a-h-o-d-g-e-s i don't uh-huh. know i'm right but anyway they they paired a lot of like they came out with this like this video where they're talking about how they would never be caught saying black lives matter and the thing is people are like people are like well these black people say it because they think that black people can't be criticized because they're afraid of being called racist segue into something else i wanted to talk about i'm sorry but the reason why regular people want to return back to the 1950s like when they're like i want to go back to the golden age is not necessarily because these people are like racist and they want to live in a racist times it's because in the 1950s if you accidentally did like a microaggression or you accidentally sexually assaulted somebody at work or all of these things there's no consequences for it now people are living in a time when they're called out for it and they have to pay the repercussions for it and they're like i want to go back to a time a time where maybe i'm not racist but if i accidentally say something racist no one's gonna yell at me uh-huh. you're not gonna be comfortable anymore fuckers <laughs> <laughs> that time is over <laughs> Yeah, you. Yeah, I'm constantly uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable talking about. It. I was uncomfortable in the interview just because. Yeah. What the fuck? What like? What the fuck do I have to say? I mean, yeah, I have. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, we're all learning, and like, fuck, I have so much to learn. And like, being anti-racist and being an ally, which there's some weird shit about allyship too, because it's not fucking enough. And being anti-racist is like a lifelong trek mm. up a fucking mountain that never will fucking end. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people are like, oh, I had eight petitions. I'm done for the week. I'm like, no, fucker, you're not. <laughs> and you better cry about the fact. You better cry. You better be uncomfortable. You better... I've just been like sitting in a puddle, puddle of uncomfortability and mm. fucking good. I should be. Mm. Like, we all should be. And it's just like... 
But now, it's just speaking out about it, you're just like, well, fuck, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't, what the fuck am I talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah, so, and like, I feel like white people think that's only happening to them where they're being put in uncomfortable positions. But, <laughs> nah. like, but like, that's how I feel. Like, there's so many times where I fucked up, like, in the trans community. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm saying, like, when I was in high school, I was, like, a total edgelord. I was, like, I, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a phrase at the time, but I was, like, an all lives matter trans people are mentally ill, mentally ill people are liars, like, any bad opinion that could be had, it was my opinion, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, it was really uncomfortable to be like, yeah, I've, like, got all these different things that are, like, are against me, but I still have all of these privileges that I have, like, uh, like, I had a dad who worked a good job, I came from a two-parent household, like, there's, like, certain things that I have access to that I know my friends, like, even if their parents wanted to do those type of things for them, they couldn't. And so I'm like, and so I'm like, being uncomfortable is just part of the human existence. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's not something to be, to feel bad about. Mm-hmm. It's not even a criticism on your personal character. Like white privilege or being white does not make you a bad person. And I'm like, but that's what people hear when they're like, oh, you have white privilege. They're like, I never was consciously racist about anything. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what the fuck we're talking about at all here. But it's like, it's like such a tendency to center ourselves in conversations that have mm-hmm. nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's like two, uh, like, sides of the spectrum on that. Like, there's like the white guilt and then like white saviorism oh, kind of thing yeah. where it's like you, like, uh, don't do either. That, no, 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 but that's what I mean. Like, that's like that that thing where it's just like when you feel uncomfortable because you're like trying to be the best ally you can be, it's like you don't want to drift to either side of that. You don't mm-hmm. want to be like, oh, like I'm so good because I fucking signed some petitions. It's like this is like something that's like a never-ending pursuit of growth for our society. Like, mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's like... Being an ally in any cause is interesting in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to make mistakes. Yeah, you don't want to be the humble uh, bragger, but yeah. you don't yeah. want to be like take the spotlight away from from the issue and put right. it on yourself. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, it doesn't. It like I feel like people are taking things personally, and it's coming from like a really bad place. Like I said something about white guilt earlier. White guilt is white people's problems. I hardly ever see black people saying, hey, white people, feel bad about Jim Crow. That's not a thing, but it's right. like the question is recognize that it happened and that it's still having its negative effects to this day. Right. And it's like like the, like the easiest definition of white privilege is you will not be discriminated against because you are white. And that's it. If you're poor, you will experience classism. And it is something we will have to address whether you are black or whether you are white, because it's like a bad thing. And I was like, but you will not be pulled over for being white. Like that's not a thing that's not gonna, ha- that's gonna happen to you. You will not be denied a loan because you are white. Like these are not experiences you have, which doesn't make you a bad person. Like I don't want you to also be experiencing racism. Mm-hmm. I don't want racism against white people to be a thing. I want there to be no racism whatsoever. But white people who are like, oh, white people have no culture. or I'm not one of those white people or I'm getting invited to the barbecue. No, the hell you're not. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, absolutely not. And I'm like, I'm like, I've been to Ireland. There is a distinct different culture there. 
with its different intricacies in the way that it expressed ourselves. And I'm like, that's something like all like being proud of being this or being from Maine or being from whatever. Those are things you can absolutely feel pride in. But like white pride is like, you know, that's not it. <laughs> but, like that's not it. And I was like, but there's still so many facets about yourself and your heritage. Like if you're like, well, I don't know where the fucking any of my family members are. I'm just proud to be an American. I'm like, hell yeah. Fucking do it. Get the get the eagle tattoo. Like I support you one hundred percent. Get the bird. <laughs> it's also like you can't love something and also not be critical of it. And that's why people like think that like just because like I'm American means that you can't criticize the fucking government. Like yes you can yeah. and do it. If you love something, like show that like accept that it needs growth. Like let it be known that it needs growth. If we're not critical of like if we're not critical of the people we love Personally, if my parents weren't fucking critical of me, I would have never fucking grown. I mean, like, that's a fucking simplified Dude, just, way of just saying it. Just go to a different country. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm like, I'm like what? Fucking <laughs> fucking <laughs> don't fix the country you love. Go to a different one. Because, yeah. yeah. Well, what am I uh, what we're talking about? <laughs> I was like... Wait, Get what? told to go to a different country. I, that, this is my country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're like, love it or leave it. I'm like, that's not how that shit works. I'm like, life requires effort. <laughs> I'm like, okay, if there's something here that I don't like, instead of leaving it like a big old baby, I'm just mm-hmm. gonna stay here and do the suffering. I mean, but like, to why, change it. Like, are you with the church? Oh. What were we talking about changing earlier? Oh, so you were saying leave, leave the, the church. church. Yeah, yeah. Which I highly disagree with. That's the one thing that Saisa has said that I don't agree with. <laughs> Burn it off! <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, don't leave your church. Like, Convince place, people. The people and the places you love, just convince them and work on it and work on it and work on it. Janus if you right. just leave it, <laughs> you're taking the easy fucking way out. Jan is yeah. right if you're white. Black if you're white. People, if you're white. Yeah, yes. like like when white people are like, I'm unfriending these races on my Facebook. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah, and I'm I like, why? Because then I have to deal with their racism. It's still me who has to put up with that problem. Oh. And I'm like, I should be able and like if I'm like gay, someone says some homophobic shit, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like the other people in their lives should be there to like yeah. tell them what they've done right. wrong and like help them into like personal growth and everything but it should never be like i feel like so much of civil rights or anybody who's fighting for their rights the onus of their problems are put into them like like people are still being discriminated in hawaii and the whole history of hawaii mm-hmm. got annexed into the united states is awful mm-hmm. and now that's whole like native hawaiian people's problems and i'm like they're not the ones who did this yeah, yeah. or like they're like oh native americans are discriminated against native american activists need to fix it and i'm like they didn't cause this problem mm-hmm. what am i ranting about I don't know. <laughs> I have a tie-in, though. Somebody recently, I was talking to him, something that I've done for a while is, like, for entertainment, listen to conservative radio. It's important. Um, I should do more of that. Yeah, and it's something that, like, I've talked to different people and, like, people of color or whatever, and, like, some people just can't. Like, they're like, this is so disgusting, I can't detach to the extent that, like, I can treat it as just entertaining. But like that's something I'm able to do, and I it might have something to do with me being raised like cis white male. Like I'm fairly comfortable just like dealing with that bullshit and like entering that realm in a way. And even like on my podcast, like I've made a point of talking to people who are different and who are like conservatives and who are from around here and like um, trying to find that place of like where we can talk about things like. 
Something I'm really interested in is how on the political spectrum we have like left and right, but it kind of comes around the back where you have like the horseshoe. Ra- well, you have radical uh, anarchists who are like trying to start commune communes and shit, and then you have like um, really conservative people who are like. <laughs> Uh, pioneers like trying to do the same type of shit like going to do it all yourself and so the libertarian yeah libertarians yeah. and anarchists like have something in common because they both fucking hate cops yeah. and hate the government and Republicans like the, the preppers smoke weed. That's what yeah if we're talking about Republicans to smoke weed honestly <laughs> and, like, it does seem like there needs to be a conversation happening between those two people like they have a lot in common and probably like could teach each other a lot of stuff. It, it's it's weird because all these intersections like exist within all of our personal movements. But I think one of the things is like when I'm trying to like I think we need to listen to like Fox News, conservative news, and everything like that because this is what other people we're trying to interact with are listening. And how are we going to have these conversations without knowing where we're coming? You from? have to know their reality, right? Exactly. But another thing that's frustrating to me is like I'm trying to listen to these people talk about their views on like race and everything, and I can't detach myself because they're talking about me. Yeah. Like when people are like the gays, the gays, the gays, and people are like, well, I'm going to listen to it to feel how they feel about gay rights. When they say the gays, they're talking about me, and I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like, what did I do to you, stranger? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Except for I don't know exist outside right. of the confines of like what's comfortable in somebody else's reality. Right. Yeah. And also like that, it has a whole other thing too, because like the intersectionality of like being gay and then also like being a person of color too, and like how that's a lot like. I like being like identifying as bisexual. I feel like it's been like a oh, that's like a hot thing to be. Mm. Like if you're white and you're cute and you're 23, people are like, oh, being bisexual, hot. You want to make out with a girl in front of me? Um, which I've been asked too many times. Um, and it's just like fuck, <laughs> like that. That that's a big divide. Big oh, divide. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big difference. Um, well, shout out to intersectionality. Kimberly Kimberly Crenshaw was talking about black women, mm-hmm. and every time someone uses intersectionality, they're just talking about fake things. I'm like, put respect on her name. Anytime you say intersectionality, picture her beautiful face in your mind. She's still alive. She's not dead. We already co-opted her her language and all of her years of academic experience and experience as a black woman already took her word and then started throwing it away. They're like, no, we're talking about white girls who are bisexual. And I'm like, that's not what intersectionality is exactly. for. Mm. Even though it is still a concept that applies to it. Kimberly Crenshaw put some, put some respect on her name. Um, you know how upset I'm gonna be if that's not her name? I think I'm right, but now, okay. <laughs> I don't know, like, wait a second. <laughs> Okay, uh, I, so it is uh, nearly 10 p.m. Yeah, uh, wow. but we I, could keep talking for a long time. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we we could probably go on forever. We'll have all of you back <laughs> again. Yeah, we, we should uh, just go around. Like, what what does everyone have going on? Like, plug whatever uh, shit you have going or, on. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm still doing my thing. I have a what's the what the nineteenth of Kirk's. Mm-hmm. For Elvie's birthday. Yeah, I'll be performing out, perform a little small thing for you a know, story. Or yeah, well, we, we're trying to get creative now since you know the whole COVID thing. So um, we, we're still trying to have that little variety show uh, that Nick is putting on, and uh, you know we're trying to get around these boundaries. That's what we did. Uh, I did a show uh, last month and. Um, about anger, I did an encore, and so we did it live. I was all hooked up to a mic and everything, and was in the room by myself with Mary. And she was 
it's called a gimbal. Mm-hmm. And the thing was kind of putting it on me. And so, you know, like, we're trying to get around that and still try to bring out our work at the same time. So on 19th, I know we're having another show. Uh, me and my little brother have a little uh, some side projects going and just trying to, like, still kind of keep motivated. And, because, you know, we don't got local shows anymore, but we still try to, like, come up with stuff to still, like, bring out and so we still I still I guess that's what we have coming up cool cool that's me um I'll also be at LP's birthday party doing <laughs> yeah. something or other um I don't really have anything to plug I don't know probably someone need, give me a job I've got a recorder give me a job <laughs> <laughs> no I'll, I'll do some I know what I'm gonna do at LP's birthday I'm gonna write a poem about how much I love him as a dog um, yeah, I know. He's already been through a lot for a year. Oh my god, oh my he's such god, a good yeah. boy. Um, yeah. But other than other than that, you know, I do art around town sometimes. We'll have you back for poetry for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really want to plug anything personally. Um, any, not the time, but. <laughs> no, I mean any like orgs, Juneteenth, anything like that. What? What? Any orgs or anything like Organization. that? Organization. Oh, plug any orgs. Um, orbs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we orbs, actually. Yeah. Uh, we have been coordinating a hygiene kit project through the Community Development Division, and we're going to be giving out these hygiene kits, I think, to the Hub Family Service, and then we might be able to call in to the Community Development Division if you are in need of a mask and other hygiene products, which mm, uh, a thing if anybody is in need of one. Um, uh, and then, yeah, besides Juneteenth... Um, other shit. I mean, remind us about when and where for Juneteenth, please. Juneteenth is gonna be uh, next Saturday, one to five p.m. South Park Gazebo. Um, they're gonna be sack lunches. It's not gonna be vegetarian, vegan friendly. Sorry, I'm also, you know, I'm also vegetarian. Anyway, bring your own cooler. Beats. Bring your own shit. Bring some hummus. Bring some hummus. And bring, bring some money to give to the Black Bring Heritage some money Foundation. to bring give to the Black Heritage Foundation. Or bring your phone and Venmo because I know all you bitches will be like, I don't have cash on me. <laughs> oh, you have your phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know you do. Anyway, uh, that's all I feel like promoting right now. So cool. Awesome. Thank you. Come on, Trish. Michael, anything? Come on. Yeah. Uh, go to Kirk's Grocery. Kirk's Grocery. Yeah, that's yeah, they, they have the uh, morning things there that we did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if any of those are, like, scheduled again or if anything similar, but that's definitely not going to be the last time something like that is there. So. Shane's doing a big project with all the posters and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, He's hanging up all our work He's on the He's like, a tapestry. Cool. Oh, and I should add that if you guys uh, remember me yeah, with my banner. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. It's, it's, it's to this guy's thing. If you don't see my banner, go ahead and sign your name on the back of my banner if you were with me at the protest. I want because that's going to be like a permanent thing over at Kirk's, and I want everyone who's oh. there to put their name on it just as a remembrance. Cool. Oh, no. All right. Uh, I'll plug my, my fellows in Space Eater. You guys will be the death of me. Good all Kelso, Will, and Tanner. It's yeah. Space Eaters Band, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Good old Great Falls Boys. Hell yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, if anybody uh, wants to play some Fortnite sometime, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you have been on Facebook <laughs> or uh, Instagram at Millions of Dead Cucks. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> so that's it. Cool. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. Yeah.
Thanks for tuning in to this production of Waste Division and Waste Radio. For more information, visit waste-division.org, where you can find more art, poetry, photography, music reviews, essays, and other stuff. Bye-bye.